Uh, this is Eric Donovan, artist of Constantine, Mimetic, Cognetic, and Big Trouble, Little China variant artist. I'm listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> You were a little confused there. No, I was waiting to see if anybody was going to jump in. Oh, he was going to Who would dare? Yeah, the sniper. Because somebody should be giddy that tonight we're going to talk about the book that they've been... Oh, Lord. Voting. Oh, Lord. Ever since Book of the Month was even coined. I haven't been this excited since since I lost my virginity. Wow. no, yep. since this past weekend, I think, the way you were talking. Whoa. Why just kept over here? We're, on, we're recording. <laughs> what? what did he say? Just for us. It's true. Oh, my God. You're like your own, you're like your own pat- Patreon tier in the, in the Woodrow life. You get, to, you get to hear certain things that the rest of the world does not. Oh, okay. God damn. Right? You're too much of a sharer. <laughs> Only on this, though. Now I know. Of we cannot hear from. We cannot hear from for ninety six hours. Share we, we our can, business with the world, exactly. but he won't give us anything. That's great. We could see that the aliens have 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 abducted eighty percent of of Pennsylvania, and then we could call, text, and pigeon mail him for for ninety six hours to crickets, and then he'll come on and be like, "We're like, I mean, they're crazy." Like, yep. So is he good then? <laughs> yep. Then he's telling people what I'd be doing on my on my anniversary. God damn, dude! Balance, wow, scales. Because it's such a stretch that you would have sex with your wife on your anniversary. Oh shh, <laughs> Jesus! He doesn't want the side chick to know. Dude, you're, 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 you're married to her. You can have my dude, though. I but but the wife's a private woman. She doesn't want her. Yeah, who does not? Aired. Who doesn't? I just think you are just wading in Lake Silly right now. <laughs> there was no ripping nor tearing well of course not because it was probably gentle it was gentle and passionate like like frank miller's lines in in the book we're about to talk wow okay welcome to the very first episode of 11 o'clock comics where jason and david talk over each other yes no no well, this is not how it works that's not how it is how that's not how any of this works. Scusa. Because this, oh, oh my God, <laughs> is 11 o'clock comics. Hey, Tapioca. I'm not editing any of this. Perfect. This is 11 o'clock comics, episode 492, and I am the ghast and agape, Vince P. You gape? Okay, I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am Vodka Drunkensky. No, you're not. You're Jason Wood. Do you know who Vodka Drunkensky is? No. He was the character that later became Soda Popinski in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Okay. A game I... Do you remember remember Punch-Out? Never played it. What? Yes, didn't like it. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Which is it? Did you never My, play it or did you not like it? I have I have had friends 
that owned it and I saw them playing it and they would say, yo, sit down, play me in this game. I said, nah, son, I don't like the way it looks. So I didn't play it. <laughs> wow, dude. <laughs> Them's fighting words. Of course. That's like a formative game. Dude, it was a terrible yeah, game. Pick me up. You, you played that game, right? I did play it. I did yes. play it. It, it, it. it killed some time. It was not, it definitely wasn't one of the best things any no. has had to offer, but it was a, um, it, many, many afternoons were spent playing that. That's what I'm saying. Oh my God. No. That's what I'm saying. No, you're not badly created video game character person, man. You're, oh you're Jason. You have a whole Ooh. generation of listeners that are turning us off now. Whatever. Whatever. You're, <laughs> you're Jason Rude. Do I have to say it again? And this is uh, 11 O'Clock Comics 492, sponsored by who? What? Don't make me beat you up. Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. One more time, dcbservice.com. We're in the gray area. Yep, just like last week, the uh, the dead zone where no specials have been released yet. So we can't tell you the sweetness you're about to uh, witness as a discount comic book service subscriber. But rest assured, the uh, discounts will be both deep and plentiful. Nice. So go there and see. You can get a look, a peek, a glimpse of what you would have saved last month if you were a uh, DCBService.com subscriber. It's still up. Um, weep copious tears because you missed all those great specials. Uh, but rest assured there will be many, many more this month. And we'll tell you about them probably next week. Props. Props next. Yeah. When we get our previews that doesn't have the Image Plus magazine in it. Absolutely. What the hell are they doing? Who cares? Uh, I do. Why? They're trying. Because. They're, because. You know, they'll, they'll get it they, together. They relaunched. I, I, I got faith. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't have faith, but I do like to, since, since I'm in the Image Zone right now, yes, I'm against oh. I, I like to see and read about the books I'm about to buy. Mm-hmm. So... And if it's not in with the previews, then the point is relatively moot. Make it moot. Stupid dogs. I'm going to kill them. Let's get it on. What are you drinking? Who are you asking? The world. The world that is 11 o'clock comics. What are you drinking? (laughs) Well, let's give everyone a chance to answer then. It's listening at home. Oh, my God. He's... Right, it's He's pushing my buttons this week. Hey, <laughs> uh, what are you drinking, Jason? I am drinking White Claw Hard Seltzer. So it's seltzer, what you normally, but it's hard seltzer. So it's not quite the same disappointment. In fact, it's five percent alcohol. I Look had the uh, I had the black cherry that you were offering. That's oh, what I'm drinking. That is good shit. I I'm really polishing it off. I got a couple cans sitting right here, ready to polish off. I. And what about you, Vince? Diet soda. Jesus H. And not even name brand. Oh, it yeah. is. <laughs> like, like RC? No, it is, actually, it is. Diet Right. No, it's not Royal Crown, but it's Diet Right Pure Zero Cola. It's, it has zero calories, zero caffeine, zero sodium. It's, it's, zero taste. It's, yeah, it's basically worthless. 
Oh, go ahead. Go seltzer, ahead. basically. Jesus. Ah, Brown seltzer. It has zero bubbles. Oh, so yeah. flat. Yeah. It's basically yeah. just brown water then. Okay, that's great. That's what I say. It's monkeys. It's, it's catheter juice. <laughs> it's the remnants. Oh, good gravy. Yeah. Anybody Haven't have any? Fearful? What are you oh, drinking? Yeah. Uh, something new. Actually, I haven't even tried it yet. This is uh, Joseph Stewart Cabernet Sauvignon from California, Sonoma County, California. And uh, nothing about this label says that uh, it was anywhere ever near uh, whiskey barrels. So it's just plain old wine for me tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. You're sad. Because usually you like it in the barrels. Yeah, I do. Actually, this this is... Uh, no, you do. This is pretty good. I, um, I might have a uh, standby. Good. Now, why have we gathered this week? Well, we are doing our 11 o'clock comics book of the month, which the patron uh, people have um, selected Frank Miller's Ronin. Yay! Damn. Thank, thank you. Rundown. Okay. Um, nobody has any thank yous? I don't have any, I don't think. No. I don't think I do. I uh, I just have to thank Mr. Derek Coward for... Uh, I didn't open it yet, but he... Uh, I came home the other day to the first of what I'm sure is many, the... Uh, um, an early birthday present, so thank you for that, Derek. Mm. Hey, that's nice. You gonna tell us what you got, or is that a secret? No, I didn't. I didn't open it yet. Ah, got it. I believe he did say he didn't open it yet. Relax, dude. Jesus, <laughs> he's, he's, really excited. On. he's excited. Get on me tonight. Oh tonight. my he's god, I'm getting so. on him. And he, yes. oh, <laughs> I see how over. you know what? It's perfect. It's perfect. That he should yeah. bend and twist reality because that's what happens in the book we're going to talk about. Ooh, reality so is should, very. Should valuable. we go over the the choices for the month and? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's already kind of just gave it away. And shit, sure. Yeah, spread it out. Spread it out. What what did we give them to to vote upon? We gave them Astro City: Life in the Big City, the Bo Jeffries saga. The Damned, Volume 1, Three Days Dead, Daredevil, Guardian Devil, Hulk, Future Imperfect, JLA, Earth 2, Nick Fury vs. S.H.I.E.L.D., Preacher, Volume 1, Gone to Texas, Punisher, Born, Ronin, and Superman, Red Sun. And with a runaway freight train of victory with 33% of the votes, it was Ronin. Yes. Finally. Tweet a D, tweet them. Yeah, I say, or um, I postulate that um, next time, let's do books that aren't seasoned favorites. Let, let's not have the Ronins and the Astro Cities and the stuff like that on there. Let's go deep. And instead of Nick Fury versus S.H.I.E.L.D., Maybe we could do that Derek Robertson, Nick Fury thing that came out from, you know what I mean? Like, well, the thing is, it's, it, it, the, 
all of them, whatever we offer, all the choices need to be available. If someone sure. doesn't have it, they need to be able to, if they want to play along. If, if one of us doesn't have it, we have to make sure we can get it. Um, but that that's mostly it, is, is that it needs to be available, obtainable, uh, and not some... 12 issue maxi series or something well, like from well, hell yeah. so yeah um, but isn't isn't almost everything available on comiXology and stuff like that no oh no brad pack isn't and i would what? love to have that for a book of the month really but i'm i'm okay with that because he is re-releasing it early next year he is. or is it late this year but you know so i mean i'm there are some things where i'm just waiting for because i know they will be available and we will be able to offer them as as potential winners uh, in the near future, but no, not everything is available on Comicsology or from the um, or from the publisher digitally, or uh, or still in print. As people find out with uh, with certain first edition uh, hardcovers from Marvel or DC, like if we wanted to talk like the uh, the the Commandy Omnibus. I don't know if they re-released that as something else, but I don't believe that first volume is available any longer. Not that that would be an option, but I'm just saying that there are books out there that were yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're just... So, um, we kind of have to... Which, again, which is why that's also part of... You really only have... The patrons only have 10, 12 days to vote because after tonight, tomorrow, I kind of spend some of my day looking over past options and and uh getting info from the uh from the guys as far as what they might want to consider and there's also the um the book of the month google form that i'll remind the patrons i'll I'll send the link tomorrow to them so that uh they can add more suggestions if they want we do have a few and and they've been on the list for the past couple months so um you know everybody's really helpful again we just have to whittle it down to make sure that they're uh they're doable, and and uh, that's why you don't get a long time to stew on what you want to to pick. Uh, and then we have to make sure that if we don't have it, we have a couple of days to get it before the end of the month, so we can talk on it. Speak on it. Speak on it. Nice. I, I love it. That bringing it down the science, the science of the pick of the month. I loves it. And we don't cheat either. We what does we, that mean? Re- we really let the patrons pick. We don't, oh, we, don't for sure. we don't skew the results at all. We, well, we, no. we do we do mess with each other by con- switching our vote continuously. Yes. But oh yeah, yes. yeah. Because we log in as one person, so yeah, yeah. so if, if we're always doing it that way, but uh yeah, we can't we can't massage the numbers or, or make things somehow our, our final vote became Daredevil Guardian Devil, which I that's shady. <laughs> that's that can't be shady. We had eighty seven total votes though, just so people know we're so we're affecting we're sw- we have a one we have basically a one point three percent impact on the vote, and and that I I am happy to see that there were more votes this month than there were in July. However, that is still not the total number of eligible voters. Right. So, uh, yeah, if you're going to do the patron thing and you don't vote on shit, like why are you doing it? Well, I mean, <laughs> there are other reasons why they could, but I would like to see everybody participate. Well, you're essentially paying to participate. Why would you do it? You're, you're, you can pay to just support the show or, or you know, to, right. to, yeah, to, but, it's like a tip jar in that right, case. But, but you, I there, mean, there, there is 
No, there is a cover charge. Why why aren't you drinking? That's fine. Hey, if, so, if you want to break it down like that and, and guilt somebody into voting, I'm cool. It's yeah. just there are some people who just may not. They're like, listen, you guys do your thing. I'm along for the ride. Here's a few bucks to get me there. Whatever you do is cool. Okay. There are 143 eligible voters this month when we yes. vote the next one. Assume, and that's not assuming any any new patrons, which are most welcome. So, plenty of people could still jump in that haven't yet. Nice. It's a click of the button, people. That's it. That's it. Doesn't cost well. It doesn't take very much effort. So, as we did last month, let me ask you guys because you are far more savvy in the old school ways of the DC. Um, when did you first read Ronan? Like, did you read it as it was coming out? I definitely read it as it was coming out, yeah. David? I was aware of it as it was coming out. I don't believe I actually read it until I had the, uh, the first trade. Okay. Issue six totally blew my mind. You, we had never seen you mean when it was any, coming out when it when it was originally published issue uh-huh. six we had never seen anything like that in comics a gigantic Whoa. fold out it, it was unheard yeah of. yeah right right cool. um I read it uh, <clears throat> excuse me I read it uh, when the absolute came out for the first time wow wow mm-hmm. No kidding. So you didn't obviously you, you read it in one shot. There were, if I remember correctly, there were delays in this thing. Even though it was supposed to be every six weeks, I do believe you're right. Yeah, and it's okay because it. it of course, it's okay. I know what you're saying. Well, it's Frank. It, <laughs> it's it, so uncommon for it to be like uh, right. No, it, it was a self-contained story began and ended in in its own little thing it didn't affect anything else in the dc universe because right you know it, it was isolated so yeah you could take as long as you want i think when you when you're in that position um and you're making beautiful art like this you could you could take as much time as, as you need to get it done right mm-hmm. and it was a uh a landmark in publishing as well because it was printed on upscale Baxter paper. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that the um, the fold-out with the sixth issue um, added some very complex challenges to the, the publishing in terms of collation and folding right. and, and, and all that. So... Yeah, it was it was a, a landmark event, I think. Um, what do y'all think of the uh, the story? I was nervous. What do you mean? You nervous? I was nervous going in because I I knew Dap has I, I didn't I wasn't sure that he loved it, but I knew he had a bit of respect for it. But you were the wild card as usual because you've never really spoke on Ronan. Yeah. Um, well, it, I, I think as we talk about this tonight, I think I will be the one that I'm going to have trouble separating the historical significance of the book and the place it fits into 
the broader Frank Miller career arc than I am simply for the story unto itself, if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't, I, I think, hmm, to me, this is almost, and I don't know if it was accidental or not, this is almost um, like the, this is the Miller's embodiment of what comics were like in Meadow Herland, which were that they were, Americans fell in love with the stories because of the art before they could even understand what the stories said. And then once we got English versions of them, they weren't very good stories necessarily, but we still loved them for the art. And we didn't really care that the stories didn't make a ton of sense. And while I think this is not to that far, I think the story makes sense. Although it's, I don't think it's, a, I, I don't think the plot is the, I don't think this book is, is appreciated now or should be appreciated because it was a ironclad plot. I think it should be appreciated because of the, um, because of the significance of it, um, the, the the role it played in 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 shaping uh, the modern comics world and creators' rights, and Frank Miller as an artist and a storyteller, um, and and that it's probably of all of his work to me, it's the one that is the most transparent in his uh, in in his telling a story purely out of love for things that inspired him versus much of his career, I think is looked upon as Frank Miller and, and what Frank Miller's storytelling did to define how other people told stories. And I think this was very much about Frank making a comic basically with carte blanche because DC was at a hard on to get him. Uh, and he just, he poured it out as a love letter to all the things that he cared about at the time. So to me, this is a love letter of things that Frank Miller cares about, or at least at the time he cared about. Right. I'm not so sure he cares about. I'm not sure he cares about these things anymore. But at the time, I think this was his love letter to all the things that he cared most about in the world in comics form. Sure, and I agree with you. But cool. as far as it being the most transparent in in his ovoir, I think it's the keystone. Yeah, I'm Ronan, with that. Ronan, I mean, that's Ronan fine. is is the linchpin because. As we go through it, you can see um, hints at what he and Lynn would do in Electra Lives Again. You can see, uh, you can definitely see the stuff that he would uh, do, that he's doing right now. That very loose, um, airy, effortless line that he's he brought to the the newest um, Dark Knight. You can see. Um, definitely you can see uh, Dark Knight in this because if, if for not, not, not only in, in artistic style but I don't think Dark Knight would have ever happened if they didn't allow him to do this if, if they didn't scratch his back and say hey Frank come on over you can do anything you want he never would have done Dark Knight never would have happened he, what, what, what would be the reason for him to do it he, he saw what was afforded to him. He saw that they basically rolled out the red carpet. And, you know, Frank's an egoist. He's, he's a very, he has a huge ego. So I, I think that it very much greased the way for um, Dark Knight. Do you agree with that? Uh, I... And there's a hell of a lot of DK2 in this. Well, I mean, it's, I'm, 
part of it is is oh look more Nazis more more white supremacists it's like there are just certain things that that Frank always seems to throw in because um you know how the reader's going to or you know you you expect the reader to react a certain way you know how the reader's going to um accept or uh react to these characters so um whenever something bad happens to them it's they're just just dessert so uh there are definitely some things in here in ronin that frank uses again and again and again but it's it's a um it's different than what you got from daredevil i mean at least uh on the surface, I mean, yes, there there, there are ninjas and there are there are samurai and, uh, but this is when I when I think of Frank's career, when I think of all the great work he's done, uh, the great work he will do. Ronin is not very high on that list for me. Wow. That's Whoa. a personal no 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 no. That's a personal yeah. opinion, but you cannot. Dis- oh sure. No 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 no. You can't deny no, that everything no, that yes, came after is in this book. I respect the work. I appreciate that he he did it and he felt the need to do it and he 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 was working at Marvel. He went to DC to do this. He he did Batman Year One. He did Dark Knight Returns. I I I get the importance of Ronan. I, I look. It, it's Frank Miller's Ronan. It's not like you know. It's DC's publishing Ronan. This is his name above all else is on this book. Right. So it is. It is a big fucking deal, and and I think it's it should be read. And if you're a Frank Miller fan and you haven't read it, that's silly. This is definitely. It's not like it's it's early Frank Miller that you know like you see him draw in Marvel team up. This is this is Frank. After he did some Daredevil, and and it's it, it's it's a good enough story that that you should check it out. But for me, yes, it is a personal opinion. When I if, if I were to rank Frank Miller's works, I, I don't even think Ronan would crack a top five. Yeah, but yeah, right. But that's not uh, that's not the, the opinion of the work is not what uh, we're talking about. It's just that it it contains things that pop up in in all of his work yes to come story yes be damned visually i think you you framed it correctly vince with the term keystone because to me this is the conduit almost like an hourglass this is the little skinny part the the bottom being the top being all of the things that motivated him to be passionate about being a comic book storyteller getting poured into this story which which even he would admit wasn't the was hastily constructed. It, it, I, I, again, I don't think plot was the main yeah. driver here. Um, and then, but then be, from this, for both commercial reasons and artistic reasons, as you're saying, from this comes the things that would be in Dap's top five list, at least other than Daredevil, which I'm sure would as well. Um, so I think it's a fascinating. I do. I guess what I'm getting at is, I think for me, it's. It's a fascinating work in the context of what it means to Frank Miller in his career. Right. If, if this was just Ronin, DC's Ronin, and the artists involved weren't, uh, weren't 
all-time greats that we all be- or that we all love. I, I don't know that the story would do much for me. I I, I think that's fair. Um, but again, I don't know how in this case. I don't I don't think it's possible to separate the two. Uh, and and as you noted, David, I mean it's it's called Frank Miller's Ronin. I mean to me that that's the thing. It is it is very much like uh, you know if I, I guess it's it's. You know, it's like saying you're you're a Beatles fan, but you've never listened to Abbey Road, right? Like, no, you know what yeah. I mean. Like, like, yeah. like, or, or whatever. Or pick your album, whatever album may not right. be your favorite, but it's important, or or it signifies an important step in their careers. And so, you, you could be a fan of the Beatles and not have listened to the White Album or Abbey, you know, right? But but you can't be an immense fan or the quote unquote greatest fan. And that, I think it's the same with Miller. I'm sure lots of people consider themselves Frank Miller fans. And I was part of this. I, I consider myself a Frank Miller fan for 20 years, give or take before I read this. So, so I, I, it's, they're not mutually exclusive, but I do think that if you do care about the man himself and, and the creative process, it's hard to credibly say you understand Frank Miller's creative arc um, without having read this. I think that it is an important piece in understanding Miller's career. Um, Regardless of whether the story in and of itself is all that jazz, yeah, I do agree with David. Though, I think the the uh, the race racial elements are just ridiculous. I think they were just inserted just to pad it, pad it out. Uh, they don't do anything for the story. The, you know, the Nazis and the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's don't, just, don't you think though that that is? It, but doesn't that fit in exactly to what you're getting at, which is that this is. This is a hint of things to come. Sure, sure. This is why we got. This is why we got. Um, oh God, I can't even think of the name right now. Um, the the graphic novel we did a few years ago, Terror, Holy Terror, right? Yeah, Holy Terror. Holy Terror was like and all it, that stuff plus bat, the Batman story. He could never tell. I mean, so you know, Frank is to- is certainly Frank is no no stranger to building off of and re rehashing and recycling ideas that he holds dear. Yeah, and you can tick off all of the Frank Miller works that have Nazis in them. I mean, even Dark Knight Returns has Nazis in it. Yes. The, the yes. mutant, the mutants are Nazis. Yep. Well, dude, <laughs> even when, when she, when, when Batman's dressed up like the homeless woman, the, the, the chick in the convenience store with the swastikas on her nipples, that's, I mean, oh, right, yeah. you well, can't yeah, get but, more Nazi than that. They're right. all, yes, but you're right. The, the mutants are Nazis. Yeah, there's just, and even when they, even when they turn, I don't think they right. stop becoming Nazis. No. They, they, they become the sons of the bat. They look to him as the father. Like, Heil, you know? Only the strong yes. survive. So it's, it's in a lot of his work, and I think that's just an easy way to, for Frank to push buttons. Because, as we know, you see that symbol, and all rationality goes out the window. You, you immediately take a side. Most of us hate it. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's and it should be hated. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, it is it is what it is. And it it it, it is a very, very, very potent um, it, it, sigil. Uh, so he uses it. And is, is it is it a stretch? Is he he's not risking anything by using it because the, the result is is almost assured. You will hate these characters bearing this mark. Mm-hmm. So, so anything he does, narrative-wise, 
to to squash these characters is going to be met with acclaim. It's just it's just so easy to throw Nazis into something. But right, dis- right. discounting the Nazis, I I think it's um. I think parts of Ronan are really prescient when when um, uh, Taggart uh, or or is it you know it's learned when he's speaking into the the uh, dictation thing and he says paragraph. Yes. That is right. It, yeah, that, that dragon actually speaking shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that is in eighty three. Yeah, when when you didn't right. have that, so but part of it is Frank putting on his forward thinking cap, um, mm-hmm. and then you you have parts of it where he's he's embracing Lone Wolf and Cub and the band SNA, and and just like Jason said, he's he's making comics in a manner. V- by which the, the the comics that excited him at the time, yeah, yeah, right. It's a love letter. It's a bunch what of it Japanese is. books, the Metal Hurlant, uh, yeah, right, uh, absolutely. So I, one thing I also wanted to add before we jump into the to the story proper, um, just for again for, again for our listeners who aren't familiar, I, I think another part of the importance here is that the timeline, which is that, um, and we've we've kind of bounced back and forth on it, but but just to clarify, so Frank was 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 through his his initial star turning daredevil run and right. Jeanette Jeanette Kahn um and Paul Levitz had just become the new leadership at DC and I don't know if Jeanette Kahn had already had a relationship with Frank what or what have you but she met with and recruited him to come to DC um to make a big splash and essentially offered him carte blanche so what would if you could do any you know the old if you could do anything you wanted what would it be and he threw out this crazy concept of doing a futuristic samurai story, but he was far more focused versus the story on on the the things that that were were um, related to the production. He he was he wanted it to be on on beautiful cardstock paper. He wanted it to be a paper that could be hand painted, um, and he also wanted it uh, square bound. Now that that they couldn't do at the time, Jeanette couldn't. She couldn't. They couldn't figure out how to do that at the time. Um, although they later would, but but uh, she was able to give him everything else. And then you know another one of the reasons he wanted it to be that way is because he was, I think, just dating Lynn Varley at the time. Yeah. I mean, they go on to be married, but but I, I think it was just his girlfriend at the time, and he was in love with her work and wanted to work with her and um, and had her in mind to to paint the book, which of course she does quite beautifully, I would say. Um, Really stunning, frankly, especially juxtaposed against the coloring that were in regular mainstream books at the time. Um, so yeah, so this was this was that 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 time period of um, we have often said that that eighty four eighty five time period is one of the best, if not the best, uh, little windows of comics, and this was the the kind of the thing that kicked it off. Um, I, I you you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this was. The original six issue run was not a commercial success at all of Ronan. It was actually close to a flop, a financial flop, because it cost so much to make the book. And then only after DKR became a massive, massive hit did they reproduce this, I think, in a collected edition, and it became a huge seller. I'm pretty sure that's correct, but if one of our listeners knows better, you can let us know. Because I, I didn't I, I sure. I think at the time, uh, Ronan really strained. A lot of the uh, the retailers' budgets, because yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. Know, it, it was upscale, and 
it it uh, everybody was still a little bit high off the Daredevil fumes, so that name would would sell books, and they I think they I believe they ordered initially pretty heavily on the first like three, and then right. And you know, didn't sell that well. The demand wasn't really there, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can only approach it from my perspective. I saw, I found these in the the quarter bins even before Dark Knight came out. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure this was a flop at first. A- akin to, uh, I can't think of Homeboy's name, but the one that wrote uh, uh, The Da Vinci Code. Right, and he had written a bunch of other novels before that did nothing. Dan and then Brown. the Da Vinci Code Kid. And the, what? Dan Brown, hmm? is it? Yeah, Dan Brown. And then his other books became bestsellers as well. That's kind of what happened here, I'm pretty sure. Right. Um, but either way, so but, but, but it was important in the way it was produced and that they gave him carte blanche. And this was one of the first times that a creator so forcefully asked for and was given meaningful billing and economic ownership of the property right. now again he didn't own the whole thing it is co-owned with by dc and dc owns the trademarks but he did get meaningful economics in it um which was a new thing and something again that that levitz and khan probably don't get enough credit for because they had been putting into place over the prior few years the very first system for things like returning people's artwork to them after they've done it, mm-hmm. giving them royalties, giving them pieces of the back end. That was never before done, as we know from the horror stories about Kirby and other people um, who, who never got to, unfortunately, make the money that they likely deserved off of the the massive creativity that they produced. Uh, and 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 Khan and, and Levitz were genuinely at the forefront of trying to change that. Um, now, I think the magnitude of, of the deals they, they came up with probably weren't that great in retrospect versus what artists and creators get now at places like image. But again, you could argue there wouldn't be an image model today if it wasn't for Levis and Khan pushing so hard at the time in, in, in paying these creators for their works. So all of that kind of was all of that confluence of, of factors all rolled into this project, right? Now you could credibly say creatively is, is, is this his Ishtar? Maybe. Uh, right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I don't the yeah um the Vince mentioned um scheduling and and the release dates uh covered dates july nineteen eighty three for number one september nineteen eighty three for number two so that's six weeks november for number three and then we go to january nineteen eighty four for number four we finally get number five in May, and then it wraps up with number six in August of 1984. So slightly off a little bit on the every six weeks. Yeah. Well worth the wait, though. Damn. For that gatefold, that fold out. Mm. No, for everything. I, I, I love the way this is like the first instance where Frank really pushes the hardline verticals. And the and the the horizontals like page after page after page mm-hmm. of these really thin vertical panels, uh, <laughs> it, it's hard I, to do. It's very. I'm hard laughing to... because Vince, I know you're a big comics journal fan, or yeah. were. I came across <laughs> when it was published. Yeah. Yeah, no, I came I came across 
a review that Kim Thompson did of Ronan. Yeah, God rest his soul. I, I and I'm sure you probably read it when it came out originally because you're a reader of it. But but he eviscerates yeah this book and he eviscerates it for thousands of words. He of he course. spends so much it time is writing. A journal, dude. <laughs> no, but I mean, but it's incredible because it's not it's not like eh, I thought it was okay. It's he hated this book and he tells you. <laughs> in 50 different ways why he hates the book and thinks it's an an awful comic. And one of the things he took massive umbrage with were the horizontals. And yet he would praise Dave Sim for the same thing. See, well, again, and you have the context there. I wasn't a big, but I just thought it was fascinating to to go and read that, 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 uh, that many years later and to see Kim Thompson's perspective on it because, and I didn't agree with a lot of his criticism. I'm just saying it was fascinating because he is certainly a legendary critic. Um, sure. So, in terms of the plot, it's it's not that complex of an idea. In essence, um, it's it's set in the future, a futuristic New York for the most part. But, well, no, I mean, really, well, you could actually argue it's set in the, that for the whole for entirety, if you really think about it. But um, it's a dystopian world. Um, there's a gigantic fortress in the middle of the city that was built um, essentially as a haven, I guess, against all of the the unruly lower-level humans that are existing outside of it. Um, there's a dude named Billy who is a, a quadriplegic with, uh, with uh, psychic powers, telekinetic powers, telepathic powers. Um, and then there's a artificial intelligence... Uh, named Virgo, and they're they they work together to protect and run this 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 Aquarius fortress. Um, and our man Billy is getting visions or dreams, what have you, of of an ancient uh, samurai who, in a quest to defeat a demon named Agat. Um, loses his master, and uh, in that battle, uh, and eventually spends twenty years training and, and roaming the Japanese feudal lands uh, until he has a chance to avenge his master's death and kill Agat, and sacrifices himself upon his own sword uh, in an attempt to kill the demon. Um, but magic happens, and both Agat and uh, and the samurai um, get trapped in this magical blade uh, for 800 years. And we're led to believe that in this future New York, someone has unearthed the blade and uh, in attempting to figure out its properties, a lab hit it with a laser and that caused a massive explosion, killing everybody and and destroyed the blade and freed Agat and the Ronin uh, in this futuristic New York. Um, and, and then that there's a confluence of from there where essentially, um, essentially the, the Ronin, um, the, the, the psyche, I guess the psyche of the Ronin uh, takes over Billy, uh, who again is a quadriplegic and Virgo helps graft uh, cybernetic limbs onto Billy. Uh, Billy's body begins taking the, the the physical form of the of the Ronin uh, in order to uh, to fight this demon. 
who then goes on to eventually take on the form of the owner and CEO of uh, of Aquarius, um, and that's really essentially um, the main undercurrent of the story. Uh, and then there are lots of other key characters, um, you know, not the least of which, of course, is a uh, beautiful young lady named Casey, Casey McKenna, who is the uh, head of security for Aquarius. And um, Billy's in love with her, unrequited love. Uh, Casey's married to the chief scientist of the Aquarius group, but they have a a, a fairly loveless marriage. It, I don't think it started that way, but it's a fairly loveless marriage at this point. And so there's a triangle there. Um, and then uh, we, we, we bounce back and forth between this feudal time and, and the current time. And, uh, and you know, as Vince alluded, there's there's a, a, a rapper at the end as the final climactic battle happens that leads us to uh, a, a realization of, of all maybe not being what we initially thought it was. Um, would you say that's a fair assessment of the plot? Mm, yeah, I think it, you left some important stuff out. The, Go ahead. The, yeah, yeah. No, the, I know. I'm, I, I was just right. Yeah. Go ahead. The, uh, the Aquarius complex is built upon um, Casey's husband's work. Right, which Billy can control. So Virgo essentially has right. Billy imprisoned. Bill, Billy a, is, a, is a, a captive, and Virgo is preying upon him and feeding him little nuggets to get him to comply. He's, Virgo is essentially exploiting the fact that Billy can control the biocircuitry that Peter McKenna created and Virgo uses this skill to multiply the I, I think the entire story is Frank's technology in the story is used as a cancer and I, and I think it's it's important that every time Frank shows a bird's eye view of Aquarius it it it's it's metastasized. It just takes up more and more area. Mm-hmm. It gets more and more. Def- sure. It's a giant tumor. So it's it, he he's basically equating advancements in technology as a rampant, uncontrollable, very carcinogenic force on on mm-hmm. um, on humanity. And it's it, I, I'm I'm safe. I think I'm safe in saying that the the it would not have turned out the way it did in the end if not for the human being and there's no technology involved the the casey advances through this the story using old fashioned weapons she will not use a laser or a, you know a robotic um weapon at all she uses guns antiques. antique yeah. guns that fire bullets and then a, an actual uh, sword a katana um, this is Frank saying technology is very, very bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it, it that it strips the soul, um, shows us lies to us, gives us eye and soul candy, and it, it on the one hand, and on the other hand, it takes away the very thing that makes us human. the The technology imprisons the boy; it takes away his. Well, 
I, I think Frank stacked the deck in making him a quadriplegic because he's mm. immobile. He's immobile, and and he goes out of his way to say that Virgo is holding him in a in a womb. So right. the um, the the boy's not. He has in being born, the 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 organism achieves um, the potential of of being alive, right? So for Virgo to have sequestered this boy in a womb, not releasing him, he's taking away the his life, and he's preying upon, he's exploiting him. Uh, I I think Virgo is is the real villain in this thing. It's not Agat. Agat doesn't even exist. The Ronin doesn't. Oh, it's totally. Exist. Yeah, no, it's totally. It's Virgo is. She, she's definitely the. Uh, she's manipulating it all. She's. Uh, it's. You get the sense that you know, because Ronin is after a god, and that's to make amends. It, it, that that's that's who his nemesis is, but. Um, it's it's Virgo that is absolutely I, I agree hundred percent that that's yeah. that's the big bad and the 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 whole Ronin Agat scenario is crafted not by Virgo but by Billy that's Billy's defense mechanism because of that event that happened where he kind of lost it um, someone was being very very mean to him. Calling him a what? What they they call him a paperweight or something or a third base? Uh, yeah, third base. Yeah, and yeah. Um, he he lashed out with his power and he killed the uh, this the the antagonist and his mother came in and saw it and she said, "Oh, you're a very very bad boy. What what have you done? You're 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 terrible. You're bad." And the kid the kid's psyche just shattered. So he created the whole Ronin Agat scenario. To protect himself, look at the, the right. what the blood sword does. Um, when the 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 blood sword drinks the the blood of evil men, it it protects the wheel the wielder against magic. Agat can never find the Ronin as long as the Ronin is killing bad men. But if the blood sword tastes the blood of an innocent, that can destroy the demon. And the demon's a shapeshifter. Like, give me a break. How blatant does yeah. it have to be? He mm-hmm. he can assume any form. Um, there are mm-hmm. there are, there are passages in the book where Agat's minions are on one page, like flying raptors, and then the next page they're they're robots, flying robots. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like I said, reality in this book is you can't nail it down. You. you there is almost a certainty that the Ronin and Agat didn't exist. But when you get to the end of the book, you're like, well, what? Maybe they did. Maybe this is not what I've been led to believe. But I'm pretty sure that the uh, all of the flashbacks never happened. That's all made up. No, I agree. Oh, and, yeah. No, and, they're and, all. That's all. Billy and, and that's your you're right. While, while Billy can created the, those constructs, Virgo manipulates them sure. to her own end, which is that she's an art, and, and this is another very prescient thing on Miller, and there's been lots of riffs on this since then, which is that Virgo is, is artificially intelligent, 
and the base is built from this bioorganic material. And it is, in essence, even though it's a machine and computer code, it becomes a living entity yep. and becomes self-aware. And, and in as with anything that's a living entity, it's trying to procreate and to establish dominance. And so Virgo is using everything in her power to try and gain uh, a placehold in the world. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's an interesting commentary. Um more, far more relevant today. I mean, now today, I, I'm not suggesting we're we're a year away from uh, Terminator, but uh, but you know th- there are definitely issues now. You probably saw a few months ago that Google did a hard sh- shutdown of an AI project that was it was running because the AI project was teaching itself how to speak in a language that Google couldn't understand, and so they shut the project down. And while I'm not saying that that if they hadn't shut that's, it down, we that's creepy, we'd be, dude. But but I mean that's but that's real. That's not science fiction anymore. There you know there are big massive companies that are running artificial intelligence programs that are not to say sentient in the way that we're seeing in this book, but but are teaching itself self teaching and 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 now being able to teach itself things that we as humans can't understand even what it's teaching itself. So listen, I, I mean, it's not that far fetched. I'm not saying, you know, again, I'm not saying we wake up in in five years and we have, you know, sent, sentinel drones that are hurting us into energy pits. But but you get my point. Um, Did they so, document so, some of that language? Oh yeah, yeah. You just Google, you can Google it. It's oh, fascinating. I gotta find that out. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So and and I think that um, you know visually. It's this is an interesting book as well because I think there are multiple styles going on in this book, and I did come across something where Miller acknowledged after the a few years after doing the book that when he looks back at the first issue or two, he cringes because he knew he was paying homage to Mobius on pages, but now he looks back on it. Or at least then, when he did the interview, he looked back on it, and, and it wasn't an homage in his mind, but it was straight up copying, and he regrets that. Um, but he credits that for that realization for evolving into the style, which we would then come to be so known as Frank Miller's style. So, so I, I but I, it's 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 it was neat to see a creator taking task, taking themselves to task. For essentially aping someone that they, a beloved creator, right, and and draw and they themselves saying, I think I crossed the line between paying homage to them and copying them, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, hmm. I um, if if he tried to ape Mobius, I think he failed. I was no, say. I don't think so. Because he's talking specifically about the first issue, and, and he talks about in the first issue that he really had multiple styles he was working with. He had his cross-hatching style. He had a thicker line work style that he was just starting to play with. And then there were pages that he was straight up mimicking Mobius. And you could see that there's pages, not every page, but in that first issue in particular, there are certain pages where it, if you just took those pages and put them into a uh, an EOC blog post with lots of other Mobius and, and other creators that were in heavy metal, you wouldn't think twice about it. So I, I, I mean, that's what I, and again, 
this isn't someone making that illusion. This is Frank acknowledging that. So I think no, that's what I I, yeah. I realize that he said he was trying yeah. to, but I don't think he achieved it. I don't think he even oh, I, well, I, no, I, can. I, I mean, who can? This. Right? I mean, who, I just, it's because I think I mean between the three of us, amongst the three of us, I, I think we can all we have a pretty good handle on when we. I know as much as Vince hates comparing one artist to another, we we tend to. We're able to say if, if one style looks like that or it looks like right. it just straight up. And I, reading these, rereading these six issues, I especially the first issue that I'm flipping through again now, I never, it never crossed my mind to think that. I mean, there are, there's some Kirby here. There's, but I mean, it's still Frank's line. It still looks like Frank Miller drew this, but I, I can see some some influence. But I, I don't think I, Mobius never crossed my mind. No, and it's the one word I would never, ever use to describe Frank Miller, and that's elegant. And sure. Mo- Mobius just reeked of elegance. Yeah, oh, you're right there. So, I, I the, the, it's a it's a manly book. It's musky. It's dirty. It's mm-hmm. it's it, you know it's it's violent and and it's sexy, but it's not elegant at all. I have to say, I find the book visually beautiful. Um, yeah. And and again, not to say that Kim Thompson's opinion matters for Hill of Beans, but I did find it fascinating that he spends thousands of words flat out saying that Frank can't draw. I mean, just flat out, like the way that <laughs> Dapp and I make fun of Frank now, and just to get under your skin, Kim was saying that this book is an abomination of cartooning, that he yeah. literally, he doesn't understand anatomy, he doesn't pretend to understand anatomy, he doesn't understand action. He doesn't understand motion. He doesn't understand framing sequences. And again, I don't agree clearly. I mean, it's Frank Miller, no. but I found it fascinating that this dude would take the time to berate every angle of this book visually well, because yeah. it's Frank Miller wrote it. It's, it's, it's again, it's not like the story. I, I'm not going to defend that. The story is some great thing that needs to be cherished, but it's, it's such an astoundingly important visual exploration by arguably the most important cartoonist in mainstream comics of his, of his generation. So I don't know. Well, see, that's the thing with the comics journal. When they had an ax to grind, they ground it very hard. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like, like Harlan Ellison was accepted at the comics journal until he Mm -hmm. wasn't anymore. You know, until he transgressed and did something. Um, well, basically, he sued them. And so, and so Harlan was not, you know, he was persona non grata anymore. So his work became accepted and then not accepted. And they would right. do that frequently with, with people. You would, be, you would be okay until you weren't okay anymore. Yeah. And it, that's, it was just Frank's time, you know. And, and, and I, I, Kim was a great writer. But mm-hmm. all those things you said that he said about this book were, were, were true, that he did say them. But how could anyone in their right mind say that, you know, this is not good cartooning, that Frank does not know anatomy, that, that he doesn't know pacing and style and, and, and you know, cinematography. It's, it's all on the paper. He was just grinding that axe for thousands of words. Right, right. So I don't know. I mean, I'm re- I'm just fl- flipping through the book again, and I I, I think it's a beautiful book. I I, I do. I, I yeah, I, I think it's. 
<laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think it's as as visually appealing to me as 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 almost anything Frank's ever done. Yeah, David, what were you saying there? Uh, well, two things. Uh, next time I'm at Jason's, I want to flip through the absolute to see if there's something there that I don't get from that I never got from the um, first collection or the uh, the six issues. But also, there's a ribbon. Ooh. There's well, as long as, as 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 long as I get the last few pages that my first that my trade never had, then if I can finish the story completely, I'll be happy. Why? What the, does uh, your, your your trade have? My the first <laughs> the very first time I I was with my aunt. We were at a Barnes and Noble in Manhattan. I saw the collection, saw the trade, wanted it because the new Frank Miller. I remember seeing ads for the book. I says I want this. I left with it. I didn't find out till a long time later that my copy was missing a bunch of pages at the end. So for years, I thought the story ended sooner than it did, making absolutely no sense. Just turns out that it still made no sense. I just was missing a bunch of pages. And <laughs> I found out that it still made no sense later after getting the other pages. But it was back out there. What, what do you mean a, the was, ending doesn't make sense? No, it's it's it's. It's fine. I did that for you. The um, oh, see what he did. He but again, it's 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 what? It, he doesn't want. Don't you want to talk about it? We will. That's why we're here tonight. Yes, okay. we'll get to the end. We barely scratched the surface yet. But uh, as far as Harlan suing uh, Fantagraphics or specifically Groth, it was um, you know it, it it makes me wish kind of that Frank would have sued them because we probably get something else akin to anything goes which as much as you know we're, we're a very religious society and 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 uh and harlan isn't one to suffer fool so I, I i get why he would feel the need to want to sue someone at fantagraphics but uh i can't really be too upset about the lawsuit if we got something like anything goes out of it uh, but let's, I, I want to hear Vince's love of Ronan. You, you always do. I always do. I, I always express love for this book. I, you I do. Think it, I think it's a virtuoso performance. I really do. It's it, like I said, it has everything that we saw and would come to see from Frank and Lynn. Um, I think the fight sequences are breathtaking, but we knew that coming out of Daredevil, right? Yeah, I we thought knew... the choreography. I thought the, the choreography was was great. Right, we we knew that Frank could do that, but you have um, craft tint paper in here, the the manipulation of the 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 panel grid. Some panels are some pages are strict horizontals then you get strict verticals then you get that the dark knight flurry of panels yeah. that he would later do in there the fold out there then there's a a, a reliance on um the eight panel grid which we haven't seen from frank since i don't think we've seen an eight panel grid and i'm specifically talking about the uh the underground dwellers the sequence where mm-hmm. uh, Casey suddenly grows oh, hair. Too. Yeah, 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 she finally she, takes the 
the hat off, and yeah. So she's looking for her uh, her soldiers. Yeah, right. That's an eight panel grid, but the the uh, the sound effects <laughs> are done are done very differently than everything else in the book. In this sequence, it's almost um, as if Frank's um, nib was too too small because it, it it almost doesn't reproduce the line work. That's how thin it mm-hmm. is. It's no, it's just it. Um, the uh, the technology in it is is strange to see from Frank. Uh, it pushed buttons because there was nudity and sex, mm-hmm. um, but then you you had the Lynn going balls out crazy on the sequence with um, where the uh, I think it was Silk versus the leader of the Panthers and they both uh succumb to the Ronin like that that watercolor that's Electra lives again. So it's it's it it was it it was almost like a look back and a look forward for Frank Miller. I love it. I love it. And you could chew apart the story for forever. I mean we could start talking about it and, and just try and get into the the specifics but there's so many gray areas in it and uncertainties where like David was talking about the ending. I I would love to go into that because I think the ending is encapsulated in the Ronin committing seppuku. Billy convinces the city Aquarius through Virgo to destroy itself. That's what that's what ritual suicide is. Mm-hmm. The, the the Ronin takes its own life. The city takes its own life, but he's powerful enough to protect himself and her. Yes, in the process. That there you go. Right. Hmm. I I wanted to just while well, on my mind. I think you're right about the panel layouts, but I think again that's one of the things that I that I find so fascinating and important about this book. Um. There's no rules in this book. No, uh, no, no, nope. You're right. I mean, I'm looking at just in a sequence here of, of six or seven pages, and you've got an, a, a traditional eight panel grid. You've got a giant two page splash. Uh, you've got a six panel grid. You've got essentially a six panel grid, but it's divided up in those horizontal slices, so it becomes an eighteen panel grid. Then you've got a flashback to the samurai fighting, uh, the Ronin fighting in the snow. Where it's very delicate, and there's there's there is there's only there's a there's only a few panels, and the rest is borderless. Um, the other thing too is the line style. There are pages that are intensely overworked with cross hatching. Yep. Then there are pages like the aforementioned one here I'm looking at now that have almost no cross hatching and very delicate thin line work. Um, there are pages that are massively rendered with technology and heavy colors. There are pages that are um, almost all the 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 strong spotted dark black that you would be more used to seeing of his stuff in Sin City, right? The underground um, sequences. Yeah. yeah so so yeah. I, I I think he he seems to me to be playing with lots of different things that ultimately get get used in other places in his career on a more emphatic basis. Yep. So, but you see, you you, there, I don't think any other one of his works has all of these things in it at once. I think 
like Sin City looks different than Daredevil, which looks different than Dark Knight. But there there are pieces of each of those works here for you to see, and and, it, and it, it's it's this to me is like a treatise on Frank Miller, the once and future king. Yeah, you, you see everything here in terms of the way he wants to tell stories visually. I keep the ribbon, um, on a, a spread. What I love the ribbon. Um, the only thing the ribbon's black. I think the ribbon should be red, but whatever. It should be red. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I keep the ribbon on a spread from pay, from issue four, where um, Taggart is talking to Virgo in a long, long vertical panel, and Virgo looks like Agat with the the little sevens that come off Agat. Mm-hmm. Virgo has those, and then there's three panels to the right that are the same depth as the the long vertical and then on the facing page there's three panels mirroring the three panels from the previous page and then the long vertical to the right and it's just a great spread it's hyper detailed and there's cross hatching and these little noodly bits that that frank did um and he didn't have to do but he did anyway because he was trying to ape the european um illustrators and then on the next page, it's it's another two very very deep verticals. One's almost completely black. Mm-hmm. It's just it, 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 it's so off the wall how he just threw these things down, but he had the sense to mirror them on facing pages. Like we know, it, yeah. it says it says right here that Taggart is Aku. Does he does he actually change shape? No. He doesn't. It's it's Virgo taking him over because Taggart was a pacifist and was noted as being a pacifist. Like that was he, even the the uh um learned tried to to you know, hey, let's do something. Let's maybe see if we can't do something for the military and Taggart's like, "No way. Told you right off the bat." We do not parlay in, in war. It's like, all right, all right, I, I, sh- I shouldn't have asked. And then all of a sudden, Taggart just switches and becomes a profiteering Tony Stark weaponeer. Right. Where, where he never was before. And they're just like, what is going on here? That was Virgo's influence. Mm-hmm. Not only is it Let's- Virgo's influence, but it was him just becoming Taggart. Was it Virgo's influence to slowly change his wardrobe to that of something like Julius Caesar? Yeah, he he became like the 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 puppet the puppet king with the complete with the olive branches in his yep. in, in his hair. It's yeah. Frank Frank is saying a lot in this book. Oh yeah, a lot of some you know. There's a a good chunk of it is very incoherent. I'll give him that. It doesn't all. Yeah, I think there are tendrils that he never he never follows through on. Um, in the, it, it, you said it, Vince. If you if we wanted to dissect every plot point, it, it, you could you could make it out to be a mess. Uh, there are when when we get the initial flashback to Ronan, and he runs into the um, uh, he runs into the or he saves I guess the the woman and her child, and they're sitting by the fire he makes an allusion to the idea that he needs to kill an innocent to power up the sword enough to take out the demon. 
and the woman cringes a bit and he says, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to attack you. But, you know, they make that allusion to this idea that he has to sacrifice innocence or he's willing to for his final goal. But we don't, you know what I mean? Like, in the, but then, and then, and then he, and then he stabs him, you know, then his master, st- or he stabs himself to kill the demon. And it's like, well, you aren't an innocent. Right. Like, so I, like the, the, there, there are flaws. I mean, like there are, there are non sequiturs to Frank's logic in this, but, uh, but again, I don't think that's what this book's really about. I think no, it's about the big ideas. It's about the big ideas and it's about the visual exploration. Um, and I think from, you don't from, think the from Ronin's, those angles, it's a success. Yeah. You don't think the Ronin's innocent? No. No, I, Why? no, I don't. Why? This isn't Mignolner, are you worthy? This is, are you innocent? A, 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 a samurai, I think, I just, I would say no, no soldier that's fought in a war is innocent. If you've taken life, you're not innocent. What if it's evil life? Innocence without sin. But 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 any all the all the organized religions uh, and faiths consider murder even justified a sin. Doesn't mean that you're going that you're damned for it. So um, no. So I don't. I mean, he's neither the dude was neither a virgin nor nor without without having once you. So no, I, I do not think there's any definition. Of of the word innocent that would be framed by a samurai who's been on the road for twenty years. Well, he was innocent before he was imprisoned in the sword. He hadn't had a woman no. before. No, he yeah. was a killer. He was a killer. You can't be innocent if you're a killer. It's impossible. Okay. Not possible. All right. You think someone could be a murderer and and be innocent? How's that possible? It could be justified. You could you could have, but if you take someone's life, you can't be innocent. Then, under the tenets of most religions, well, right, or or this the idea of which is carried through of the say of, of a mystical bond that killing an innocent powers the blade. He has one purpose in life, and that's to please and protect his master. He doesn't want Correct. a woman. He's not distracted by uh, worldly temptations, alcohol, all that stuff. He 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 is driven with one idea. Even the master says, "You know, lighten up, kid. Mm-hmm. It's not all about the job." But to the to the Ronin, it, it, it to the samurai, it is about protecting his master. That's why he takes it so hard. Which I thought was one of the weaker s- scenarios in the book that the um, Lord Ozaki brags, in, in a sense, that, yes, I stole Agat's blood sword. He hates me. He wants the sword back. He will do anything to get the sword back. Ooh, I'm going to sleep with this girl. And credit, I don't know if credit goes to, to Miller or Varley or both, but... When you start reading the book and the stripper's green, you're thinking, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, that's some bad coloring right there. No, you're thinking Star Trek. No, you're not, because it's not a science fiction. It's not a story set in space. Not at that point in the story, no. Right, but then you realize later on that it's by design, because green is the color of this bio-organic, uh, you know, matter that Virgo creates and can manipulate. So we get in that first six page flashback we, yeah. we get we get a very obvious 
in retrospect, indication that this is all a mental construct within this AI. But at the time, we don't know that. At the time, we think it's just. See, I was thinking it was just the 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 coloring, the flickering of 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 the lights around. It was just reflection off her skin. But you're right. You're absolutely. It wasn't. It. I didn't see it stop and go. Well, that just makes zero sense. And then to realize what's going on with Aquarius later on. But I, I just, I didn't, I didn't see it and think that they were dropping acid when they were coloring this thing. I just. Because the bottom panel on on page six, it's a lot brighter green. So, again, I just thought it was flames from from the candles or whatever light source they're using for her to dance around. And I just thought that that was giving it off her skin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, although I agree with Jason uh, in this instance, there are passages in the book where things are not colored. Like Casey turns yellow on some pages. You know what I mean? So it's... They don't keep it. Uh, yeah, like I mean, Casey is very much supposed to be a black woman, but I, I, yes. I, I wouldn't know that at first. <laughs> we we know that as the book goes on. I, I, I'm almost left to wonder if, if like halfway through the book, he was like, "Oh, let's make her a black woman," but oh, I don't sure. think he. Uh, I, no, I'm pretty. I'm sure he he did that. That's Frank, right? Yeah. Because early on, she's not black. She she does have. No, she is when 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 um, when Sawa and and Learned are introducing everybody to her. She's oh only, yeah, she is. I'm looking at it. She is. She she. I mean, her her yeah. her uniform is greenish yellow, but but that's the, the, no, you're the right. half of her she's face black. looking out is black. Yeah. No, Wait, you're, you're talking right. about you're the right. the page where she's eating the apple? No, no, page, no. Page she's 18. introduced by yeah by. Oh, okay, but I mean later on that the 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 page where she's eating that apple, she is not black. Uh-uh. Right, but I think that, I think that's just a coloring mistake. Is the point is because yeah. when we are first introduced to her, she is drawn like a black woman. But how um, do you make how do you make a coloring mistake when you're sleeping with the colorist? Eh, well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come on, they were doing a lot. They were, they were doing a lot of coke back then, so maybe. But I think one of the key sequences to this entire book is the uh, the horse capture sequence because Casey's like. Um, not Casey. Um, what's his name? Head. The, yeah. Uh, the hippie. Really? He's really? Like, he's like, I'm, I'm not going to ask where you got the horse. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because the horse doesn't exist. Right, yeah. You know? It's 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 a construct. But he, he, Bronin had to wash the horse and made Head wash himself, too. Right. Because he wasn't, he wasn't pure. But I, I think it was Casey that said, you know, I'm really not going to ask about the horse. And that that was like way back in the day was the the section where I thought, why did Frank go to the that that extreme to to make her question the horse? Because he wants us to question the horse. And that's, you know, I, the first issue I took quite literally that the Ronin section was a flashback. And and I, I admit when he stabs through himself to kill um, to kill a guy. I got. I thought that was the shit. I'm like, oh, it's a great pan. It's a great two it's, pages. Yeah, but in concept, in execution, it's just perfect. But as we you know, I don't want to say I'm more mature. I'm older than than I am when I read it initially, <laughs> and now a lot of it, I see a lot of it for 
with seasoned eyes and that it's it's Frank playing around with story structure and 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 conceptual hooks. I, I love it. It's it's um it's always been special to me because it's so chaotic and it tries very hard. It doesn't always Frank Yeah, I think that's succeed. another microcosm. Right. I think that's another it's a fitting component to Frank's career because I think Frank in his later years doesn't even necessarily try that hard. Um, I think yeah. much of his career, well, not much, but a chunk of his career, he has not succeeded at, at putting out a great story. Um, but there's always something about his work that's interesting. And again, I think this is massively important. It's visually fascinating and largely appealing. Um, and like I said, I, I don't know that the story is any great shakes, but I, I don't really care. I don't, I don't feel like right. it. I don't dislike the, I, I genuinely like this story a lot. Um, and accept that there's just components to it that I'm like, all right, well, yeah. let that go. <laughs> there's parts of it are embarrassing. That, <laughs> no, that, that when, Casey's response to the Ronin saving her is to fuck him. Right. You, yeah. you know that. Yes. But this again, was then when, but then when you think back, right. But then when you also think about not only is it written by a man, but it's actually happening in the mind of a, of a simpleton boy who's essentially lived his life through fantasy. Yes. No arms, no legs living in a artificial womb after being abused as a child, his perception of, romance and relationships and women and sex would be skewed to that of what a innocent child, well, not an innocent, a child's views would be when they first see a titty mag, right? You, right. He, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have a realistic perspective on how things like that play out. I see. I got to part ways with you on that one because yes, I do agree that he would have an adolescent. Ooh, boobies approach. To, mm-hmm. to being with Casey, but he didn't manipulate her into sleeping with him. That's the writer. That's Frank. That's Frank making Casey sleep with the samurai. Or the Ronin. Right. Who is Billy. So Yeah, no, you're that, right. I mean, it you know, that's not nowhere. Billy fantasy. It's like, what the it what? Down. It's like, wait, yeah. wait, wait, they're gonna fuck? <laughs> like in the middle of all this, they decide to fuck? Alright. I mean, good on it, you know. Cool. But And Frank took his time with those pages. He did. <laughs> There's hella cross There's hella cross hatching in that. Yeah. Oh my goodness, D- David, you you don't have the luxury of being able to see what's in the back of the book, but there are um, um, the IDW artist edition like uh, pages in the back. You get to see scanned right from the boards with the tape and the. The uh, the registration marks and all that, mm-hmm. and there's promotional material. There are uh, illustrations that um, Frank and Lynn did that look very much like uh, Electra Lives Again. You know, this um, I got to be honest. The uh, introduction from the diary of Casey McKenna where she's going on about <coughs> the hour of the wolf and, and all that. Mm-hmm. 
that's friggin' painful to read. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it it hurts hurts to read that. But thankfully, that's just text, and that's that's right. It, it is mm-hmm. part of the story, but it's not actually you know part of the narrative. So I I give him a pass on that. But oh, it's monsters rule the earth. Monsters rule the earth. The pictures don't stop. A beautiful <laughs> young woman runs for her life. She stumbles. Demon slaves on horseback fast approach. She's doomed and she knows it. I get out of bed. I go to my bathroom. I vomit. I quake. It's like, who wrote this? Claremont? <laughs> like, like, what's going on? Yeah, you gotta get on Claremont's ass. That's I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, I hurt. I hurt. Whatever. Um, what, what else do we want to get into? Uh, have we have we done our, our our piece on this, or is something else we we want to pull apart? Because I, you know, I'm down with it. No, I mean, I, I I just for people that haven't seen it, I want to convey to them the importance of this as a as a treatise on Frank Miller's storytelling techniques. That that's the thing that fascinates me the most. Is you can see it all here. It's all here. It's all here, and it it and and maybe it doesn't all belong here all at the same time, but it is here. And if you're familiar with the with with his quote unquote more important works, um, then you're going to see it all here, and, and it's gonna it's gonna make you feel some kind of way. I think because you're gonna. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So. Um, I, yeah. I, 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 I like I said. I I think it's an it's an important book. It's uh, it's. I think it holds up in the sense that. It, it, you know it it's of a time. But the visuals are timeless. Like I agree with you, it doesn't look like Mobius per se in, in most of it. But 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 I do feel like it's that kind of visual storytelling that you can look at fifty years later and it's still going to be appealing. Sure. And sure. unique. It's going to feel unique. Um, which is not you know you can't say that about a good chunk of what we read, even if we're enjoying it at the time. When you go back and revisit it, it, it just it feels a lot less significant. And this book, rereading it this week, didn't feel any less significant to me. Um, and again, that is a much different thing than saying, "Holy shit, this is the greatest story ever!" You all have to read it. That that that's I'm not saying that. In fact, I I haven't really <laughs> thought this through, but I would dare say that. Well, no, that's not true. I was about to say other than. His Daredevil work, I'm not sure. I think Frank Miller's ever really told a phenomenal story, but that's not true. That's not true. Wait, I like a lot of Sin City. You forgetting about Dark Knight Returns? No, I'm hate, not forgetting about, <laughs> forgetting about that. Uh, that's for are, another day. That's for another yeah, day. We've, yeah, done our, we've spoken that. our piece on Dark Knight several times over the years. Um, this is... Yeah reading this the first time uh it was and even more so later it was odd somewhat to see frank miller sans klaus jansen this is just this is pencils and inks frank and you also get pencils and inks frank on sin city but sin city almost what you'd say maybe a decade later if this is 83 mm-hmm. since yeah. these early 90s right so you know obviously even though frank has been doing this a while in 1980 by 1983 uh he's 
even though Sin City looks a little different, everything is meant to to, to evoke a, a certain feeling, depending on which story from Sin City you're reading. Uh, the the bones are the same, but there there there's the way things are applied are a little different. There are some things, especially uh, early on with Taggart and and you, know, you mentioned the cross hatching on with. The scene with, with Casey and Ronan and and uh, Vince with the sevens on the uh, um, the robot and uh, there are s- panels where we see Tagger we have a close up on him and and it, it, he's clean shaven but because of the lines Frank puts on everybody's face it almost looks like he's he's got fur on his face and there are certain things where you just I look at it and I think. It, this is this is a story where I'm reading it, and I think the artist definitely. Uh, we've read stories where we know artists are very deliberate with their lines; they don't put any extra lines at all, whether it's sparse or just bare minimum that needs to tell the story. There are a lot of lines here, and 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 whether it's Frank just noodling or just thinking that you know this page isn't done yet, I there's a lot of extra on the page and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily detract it it's still it doesn't it may not serve a purpose but it doesn't it it, it doesn't irk me as as much as it would if other artists were, were were to do that where they're just spending extra time on it and the word balloons none of the word balloons are are like perfect doubles a lot of this just this this almost Every page screams like just straight up handmade. It, it almost feels like it would be an independent book. And and like you said, if this was if this was DC's Ronin, or if this was you know DC wants to do a miniseries about a quadriplegic who mm. imagines himself as a samurai, and we're going to get Mike Rell, or we're going to get Dave Cockman, we're going to get anybody to tell that story. It may have just fall flat it did just sit on the shelf it wouldn't be a big deal but the fact that this is frank miller's ronin dc brought him it, it's there's a lot of i'm not going to say baggage but there's a lot of extra to this story and and i think i think because it is frank miller's ronin it well it it, it definitely it feels more important than it probably i'm tempted to say it should be but it, it it's definitely a, a big deal because Frank did this as opposed to just a if it was if it was anybody else doing this story, I probably wouldn't even be thinking about it today. But because it mm-hmm. and, and because it doesn't have you know, it it's not it's not Watchmen where DC is trying to weasel its way into current ongoing DC stories. This is this is a standalone thing that, that DC I However many stories Morrison wants to tell, I don't think this earth is ever one that he wanted to do anything with. So it's just it it is in its own little world in in the DC universe. So it's um it's not an anomaly, but it is it's it's a weird book. And in in so many different ways. And in the way it looks and the way it was created and, and why it was created. Uh but it is it's I, I'm not gonna argue that it it's uh there's really no debate. I think it is. It's it's an important book, and and uh, like 
the guys have said it it's it's something that should be read and it it's uh because of a lot of the technology and a lot of the the things that go on in it um it's it's practically it, it felt the same way it did to me this past weekend that it did when I read it years ago uh it's it's almost it's almost like it's timeless it doesn't matter it, it doesn't feel dated it, it nothing it really doesn't because there are things that go on in it that that uh it, it's not set in any sort of era you're not going to read it and go oh, this feels like it's the 80s it's just it's you just read it is what i'm saying yeah um i i think there are a couple things that are important to note that um that one section where the the mother and child are attacked because the husband cast them out. Yeah, um, yeah, because she had a baby by another daddy. Yeah, um, she's a whore. I think, I think that's autobiographical, Billy. Yeah. So um, that that's important. Taggart is definitely dead. He did. Oh he, yeah, he, yeah. He's definitely dead because he melts in one in yeah. one yep. scene, and yep. and that's that's what Billy does. Uh, that's the power Billy has that that Virgo is is uh, exploiting. Um, it's 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 just a neat little escape into Frank Miller land. That um, depending on your your infatuation with the man himself, either will be an incredibly worthwhile glimpse into the man's. Um, modus operandi uh, before and after or it'll mm-hmm. be a nice little artifact that that would look really pretty on your shelf it's a it's a worthwhile read that um, like I said if you're a fan you're gonna love it if you're a, a, a casual observer you, you you'll appreciate it so um, either way you, you won't be left um, wanting I, I, I would say mm-hmm I agree. Yep. So there you go. Book of the month. Woo. Now, before we sign off, because Dap oh, alluded to it. We got what? lots. I don't. No, no. I'm, I mean this topic before we sign off this topic. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you got me all scared. Dap alluded to it. Where would this rank in your pantheon oh. of Frank Miller related works? Are we including Sin City as a whole? Or are we chopping up like the, the yellow bastard? I don't. I'm not trying to, because because Dark Knight. I'm going to. I would include the entire franchise. I wouldn't just say, well, it really is just DKR. But I just I yes I, I okay fine all right go go. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah no, I'm fine. I'm fine. This has me feeling some kind of way. <laughs> okay. Um. Um, well, if we're just counting his, his works like on Moss, I would put, mm, I put DKR right, right under it. Uh, I would put Sin City under that. I would put this under that. Then I would put 300. 
Um, well, uh, I forgot the other Daredevil stuff. I put all the Daredevil stuff above. <laughs> all the other Daredevil stuff goes below the Dark Knight, but above everything else. And then I go 300, and then everything else. And then and then then DKR two, and then DKR three below that. Way below. All right. Bye, Vince. <laughs> and then he'll take that list and wipe his ass with it because he's wrong. Half the reason me, I bet my list and dash were very similar. I would obviously put the Dark Knight stuff at the top. Well, but separate oh, one. No, three. I don't. Not step. Okay, no, he, um, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. I I would separate them um, one two three. But one two three would be one two three. One two three. Yes. <laughs> you're out of your core. Dude. Yeah, you are. You're, yeah, really you're out. absolutely out of yourself. I love you, but you're absolutely shit. out of yourself. Wait, Go wait, ahead. wait. The, the the first Dark Knight is what not is... the best thing he's ever done. Well, no, that's okay. That's consensus. I'm sure it's the fact that you <laughs> yeah. put two and three above everything else. Above everything else he's done. No, well, no. I'm just lumping all the Dark Knight stuff together. Oh, oh you're so, so, okay, so your favorite. So your favorite Dark. So if you were to rank the Dark Knight stuff, it's Dark Knight one, two, and three. You, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then, all right, so then after oh, Dark, yeah, the, right. on, the only one I would ever cheap, consider, right. I would put one and two top of the list. Three is not really Frank. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it oh, is, insane. it it is, but uh, it's hey, not. Thanks for joining the party. Right. Um, let's see. I would definitely rank Ronan above Daredevil. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy his Daredevil stuff, but I, 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 I don't love it. I think you and Dap just, just, just filed for divorce. It's like I don't even know you anymore. No, stop it. Um, I would put uh, Ronan above Sin City. All right. Okay. I think it's safe to say that the only thing I wouldn't put Ronan above is the, the Batman stuff. Okay. Yeah, huh. that's that's fair. Would Daredevil be but, at but, least above? Oh like, no! Right, right below, right below. Three hundred and Daredevil. Would be, yeah, Daredevil would be. Shut up. Daredevil would be right below Ronan. What about the Martha Washington? Where's that fit in? Oh, that's down. Yeah. See, yeah, we got then we got the Martha Washington. We got big guy and rusted boy robot. We have All Star Batman Mark, and Robin. Mark Holy Terror. So. Well, I like hard-boiled a lot. I'll I be honest. Hard- if yeah. if Frank wrote it and drew it, it's going to rank higher than something that Frank just wrote. Like, I like Martha Washington. I would rank Holy Terror higher than Martha Washington. Only oh. because... Stop. Lord only because Lord. Frank wrote it and drew it. That's All right, Dap, go ahead. Okay. Uh, you all right? You can work yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I didn't, I didn't know the book of the month episode is going to break my heart but why are you breaking uh, your heart it, it's it's okay um cut into the quick number one is is born again number two he didn't he didn't draw that though he didn't I, am i just supposed to say what he drew then i'll say <laughs> no. daredevil then i'll say daredevil period you could you could say whatever you want to say i'll say daredevil is my number one number two you're really not going to like me for it because you didn't draw this either, but that would be your one. 
Oh, that's my shit. Number three is... I forgot about that. The story known as Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Um, number you four are, is the... I'm sorry? You are way aware of the way he phrased that? Is is the mm-hmm. story known as Dark Knight Returns? Because mm-hmm. that's not how it was originally published, but yes. See, see what I mean? There you go. What? Is, there you go. What? It's right okay. there. Mm-hmm. It's Batman. It's, it, it's no. It's a trilogy. It was originally conceived as a trilogy. No, 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 no. I'm saying no. The first, the, it's 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 eventually DC has coined it. It's been merchandised enough now where it's the Dark Knight sure. Returns. But that's how it was. No, the 19. So anyway, right. you spoke on it. Um. Then is uh, then is the first Sin City serial from uh, Dark Horse Presents and. Uh, um, 300 isn't even on my list because I've never read it. Ooh, oh, wow. Um, we march to the comic book like shop I have to I've get a copy movie. of 300. <laughs> um, I feel like you can get 300 anywhere. Right? Yeah. It's, it's probably his most widely available book. but I think so. Um, what do I have next? The... Uh, Oh, see, I already said Daredevil. So that would include the Man Without Fear that that John Romita Jr. now Williamson did. Um, uh, I got I got Daredevil. I got Year One. I got Dark Knight and City. Um, wow, I guess like just by default, then Ronan would be number five. I lied. Correct my top five. Well, damn. Only because I haven't read Sin City, but I highly doubt Sin City would make number five. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, but as far as the the Frank Miller work I've read, and, and man, y'all 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 are way off on the Sin City. It's great. Oh, well, Sin City is absolutely great, but it's not. Um, and I think it's important, and that probably, as far as um, pure Frank and and I know I realized there's a lot of things in Ronan that at the time he loved and wanted to pay respects to, but um, I think as far as what I think of Frank Miller, I think his his essence. You're going to get pure Frank Miller in Sin City. Uh, so it, it's, I definitely think that Sin City is. Um, I'm not going to say it's his best work for me, but it is definitely um, probably the thing that I feel is the closest to him. I love Sin City for a couple reasons. Number one, what you just said. Um, number two, I have appreciation for how long running it was. I, I, I don't know. I, I maybe it's a conversation for another time, but I feel like when a creator puts that much time into one thing, it's hard not to take it seriously as one of their greatest, if not their most important work. Because they obviously viewed it as super important because they stuck with it. Um, but third, I, I think that artistic style of Frank's at the time was my favorite of his. So I thought he was at his best. So, hmm. like, I think guys like Eduardo Riso, who I adore, as you know, I think are exist because of that book. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's since City came out was serialized, and and we had that whole we had Marv's whole story told and ended, and then. 
Jim Lee pretty much ate that style for death blow. So, I mean, there are, it's when it, a lot of people in the early nineties who knew Frank Miller from reading daredevil and, and redoing Batman's origin and then dark Knight returns. He kind of, and he comes back, if you want to say with, with, uh, with sin city, it, it was, um, yeah. And it was, you know, it was with Dark Horse. It wasn't with one of the big two. It was, um, it was big dunes. And I, the, the reading, it, it gave me a reason to make sure I got Dark Horse presents every month so I could read that serial. And it was, um, and I have, I think I have the first edition trade of that. I, I, I've, I've triple dipped at least triple dipped on on Sin City. It's, it's a um, it is. It, I mean, just the whole the black and white. It, it's 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 crazy, and and he creates characters that you just absolutely either root for or just are so disgusted by, and you just want to see them just yep. meet the ultimate demise. But um, yeah, no, I, I think. Uh, go ahead. I'm just going to make an unpopular opinion. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um. Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen is less than Frank Miller. I agree with you. 100%. I I think Janssen takes way too much uh, of Janssen on top of of, uh, Frank Miller. Now, when I say something like that about, say, Tom Palmer, I get laughed off the podcast. But I... (laughs) not, Not by me. No, not by you. You, you humor maybe me. by maybe by Jason. Wait, when have <laughs> he, I ever? He is not. But, <laughs> and I love I, I, our former fourth co-host. <laughs> no, I wow. and 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 I definitely respect Tom Palmer. I, I it's just he he is somebody who I think can be heavy-handed. But you're absolutely hundred percent. I don't disagree with that at all, Vince. I I oh, would good. love pure Frank. I would love Frank pencils and inks. Um, than I would with Frank and Klaus. And I, I think Klaus is, we've met Klaus. He's, he's, he's a nice guy. I, I like his work, but I would much rather, and I, I'm a huge, I, I, I am someone who will tell you if I feel not every artist, not every penciler should ink themselves. I think a lot of pencilers would benefit from having an experienced hand or, or, or another artist give that work embellish it a little bit just 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 shine it up just just bring the bring the good out and maybe hide some of the flaws whereas a penciler sometimes they think every line has a reason to exist and everything is perfect and and nothing can be done um no, nobody can make changes to this that that will make sense so uh i i do not think that way with frank I, I, frank has definitely shown time and time again that uh you know, it's exactly what he's doing when he's putting ink down on a page. And and I think if anybody does ink him, it is a huge disservice to his work. I agree as well. We're unanimous on that. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Um, can, can I just quiz you real quick? If you had to take a guess, top of your head, how many Eisner Awards has Frank Miller won? Is it more than a dozen? I, I'm not giving you a clue. I'm asking you to make a guess. Well, that's- I don't know. I don't really pay attention to the Eisners. I'm going to say 22. I know. That's why I'm 22. Okay. What do you say? I am 
already putting way too much thought into this. I am. I, maybe yeah, maybe he's like, maybe he's googling. No, I'm not. I'm 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 actually looking at somewhere else. But it's a. Uh, I'm going to say. I'm gonna say 25. I'm way off. You guys are way off. 12. Oh, wow. see. Excluding said, excluding if you don't count his Hall of Fame induction award, but no one does. 13. I'm a count. And that. much like with the Oscars, I would say that some of the ones he won for are not. Like, like he didn't win for Dark Knight Returns. No, he didn't win. He didn't win for for Ronan. He won for Sin City: The Baby Wore Red, Give Me Liberty, A Dame to Kill For, The Big Fat Kill, Three Hundred, Electra Lives Again, Yellow Bastard, and then uh, and then he won, also he won multiple awards for a couple of those. But but so no nothing for. Nothing for his his most seminal works. <laughs> no DK two on there. What the freak? <laughs> That's <laughs> fucked up. Thing, That's fucked up. <laughs> nothing for Ronan. Nothing for DK. Nothing for uh, nothing for Daredevil other than Electra lives again. All right. Here's a, here's another um, opinion I'm going to make. Frank Miller plus Lynn Varley is greater than Frank Miller. So. Do you all know the history? I meant to look this up this week. I just ran out of time and it slipped my mind. Um, I assume they're not married anymore. No, no they're, not. they're not. Right? Okay. Um, I... Did she ever do anything else aside from color his work? <laughs> she slept with him. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, comics, dude. no, I don't. I don't oh, think she's oh, ever sorry. colored anybody else. I don't think. Um, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, she I haven't looked at comic book. She doesn't days. have to color anyone else. No, no. She um, didn't no. say she did. I asked. Oh my god, did. he's Relax. so friggin' defensive. Right. Um, Relax, dude. He's, I'm not. I'm not besmirching her virtue. No, what I'm saying is, a keeper of the Miller estate. No, the um, if I had to pick, and you got that big old katana and put it right at my throat, and you said, pick one Frank Miller story stays, everything else goes. Well, you're obviously saying DKR. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would pick Electra Lives Again. Wow. I, I think Electra Lives Again is the, the most beautiful Frank has ever looked on the page. Wow. I'm not even saying you're wrong because I do love that. But uh, wow, okay. I'm surprised by that. Oh, mother if, bit, if, you know what I realized? If beauty yeah. is what you're looking for. Right. But I mean, and I think the, the, the layouts he did. But you don't care the, about beauty, though. I do. That's why I I'm do. shocked that you would pick that. Um, the the where where Matt's going down the stairs, and you can see him go descend down the the, the floors in one page, and just the fight sequences. I just think it's a beautiful book, mm-hmm. all around beautiful, and it, and it's a combination of him and her. Beautiful. You don't. Y- yeah. <laughs> good, good. I, I am because good, 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 because good. we we have uh, we've only been focused on Frank the writer. As far as ranking his works, I am so surprised. The Dibble shouldn't surprise me that Jason missed one small story that Frank worked on that didn't make his list, and that would be the Wolverine miniseries written by Chris Claremont. Oh no! Um, well, <laughs> no. I mean, respect for it. I, but it. <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, it, it's it's. Yeah, that, I, I don't I was know. Just, I, I guess I don't think of it. To your point. I don't think of it as a Frank Miller book, like as much as it's right. silly to say that. 
I, I mean, should. It, it is I should. I just don't because of what it's set up. But yes, you're right. I yeah. mean, it was more of a it was more of a Claremont thing than at least to tell that story. Um, but Lynn colored that as well. Um, she colored Lone Wolf and Cl- oh, she colored she colored his covers. She did. She did. And, yeah. And the Lone Wolf and Cl- Cub covers came straight out of Ronan. But just right. so we're clear, I mean, I love that. That, that that is on my short list of Wolverine stories of all time. So oh it's, no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I mean, I, again, it's a perfect world situation. I, I would, on a personal level, I would much rather own a page of original art from that than I would DKR. Not, recognizing, of course, it would be far <laughs> more valuable to own a page right. from DKR. But but in terms of what it means to me, and y'all know, how, I mean, the character. I mean, y'all know, I, I much Wolverine is a far more important character to me as a fan than than batman so um it, like if you said magic wand you can have one you could have a page of frank miller art from from any any of his works what would it be um yeah it would be that probably it would be something from that if um if i had so vince your little pick one game is it something huh? that he has to write and draw in in my universe yeah Okay, but not in yours. Doesn't have to be. No, if I'm playing in your universe, then um, oh man, I I want to say Sin City just for the whole frankness of it, but I I'm so leaning towards Dark Knight. No, I'm gonna say I'll say Sin City then. Wow, the first one. First, the, the the first Sin City story. Nice, it's cray. And we're surprising each other left and right over here. Yeah, it's kind of cray that you would go with oh, Sin City over cray. over Dark Knight. I I know because, but I've just it's it's everything that we've been talking about this evening. As far as yeah. you know, one is straight up just Frank. The other is Frank inked by Klaus, even though he's colored by Lynn. The other one's just start black and white. Um, but if if it was a story that he's co-creator on, mm-hmm. then I'm born again because is it your one or born again? But it's probably right. going to be born again. There's a weird thing for me in in the DKR now because for away collecting, DKR is one of those grail things. Like all the wealthy collectors, the big time collectors, all. It, like having a DKR page, DKR page is like a badge of honor, right? Almost where if you don't have one, any one, then you, you don't have a, a robust collection, that type of thing. And so that irks the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's just a personal irk. That I'm, I'm sure many collectors and listen to our show would say, well, obviously, if you, if you want to have a robust collection, you need to have a DKR page. And I get it, but it just annoys me. So that I just... Yeah, so I, I I would I would probably pick something other than DKR as well. Do I? Because then it's not it's not about the story. Then it's about the the work, the physical work, and I I don't know. Do I ask what an average DKR page goes for? Tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Even the minor ones. Well, that's tough to say, right? Because the minor ones don't come up for sale very often, and and when they do. Uh, they're probably more privately negotiated, but like just last year, I know one of Felix's buddies because it was he talked about it on his podcast bought a DKR rough prelim 
from one of the reps. And I'm not talking out of school because he said this on the podcast publicly, so I'm not. Uh, this guy bought the the rough. It's it's a nice though. It was pretty tight. It's a tight, tightly penciled Batman rough that uh, in in the in this the pose from um, arguably the most famous splash of the book where he and uh, Home Girl are jumping through the air. But it's just a rough on a page, so it's just it's like almost like a little sketched Batman figure drawing, and and that was fifteen hundred bucks for a rough. So. You know, I'd say, I, I, I can't say that I've researched that heavily, but I would bet you can't come up with even a minor page for eight to ten, less than eight to ten grand these days. And the ch- the choice pages would be pushing six figures, would be my guess. Hmm. You know, the premier iconic pages. You buy me one, dude. I wouldn't buy myself one. Yeah, but you buy me one. No, you, you wouldn't appreciate the best of both worlds. Oh, you wouldn't appreciate sorry. it. It'd be wasted. I, it'd be wasted on you. You can buy me a DK2 piece, right? Oof. Oh, those are probably... Yeah, those probably get those easy, the flea yeah. market next week when you go. You should right. buy a whole issue. I would love it. Probably sitting there, probably in a stack sitting right next to all those uh, half-broken half Transformers you buy. <laughs> <laughs> he he is so far... Of, uh, Spawn Valeria. He's so far up my ass this week, he's looking out my mouth. <laughs> Like, up periscope. <laughs> all right. Oh, hey, um, if you want man, to be that, someone's that? That's besmirching all the stuff you love about Frank Miller. And I'm the one that's up your ass. <laughs> I love how we all see the world for the reality we want it to be. That exactly. Way. Right. That's that's Ronan it's in like a Virgo, nutshell. All up in. Right. This is pretty much Vince's Vince's version of Ronan is me riding a horse, committing <laughs> separate. <laughs> uh, the horse. So, so there yes. you go. This is pick of the month, book of the month. Pretty awesome. Plus, and then some. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I do have to say though that uh, even though it is an absolute, it has a worthless dust jacket. Because when you take the dust jacket off, yeah. you get a beautiful, beautiful image of uh, mm-hmm. the Ronin and Casey on a horse riding with the 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 the. the tree in the That's foreground it's weird, just because not all not all absolutes come with uh, dust jacks do they because well, my had, my watchman at new frontier in a slipcase well this has a slipcase too it has a slipcase as well weird okay yeah, a lot of don't. them have a slipcase and a dust jacket but not all of them it's true okay but yeah. this one has a ribbon that is just so awesome ribbon dibbon well the, the the absolute watchman ribbon is red vince if you want to switch True. I don't. I don't have absolute watchmen. I do. And, oh, you need it. <laughs> and before we move on, we should thank our amazing patrons for for this feature because we wouldn't be doing the feature without their support. For real. So, I do. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. And uh, patron, when we say that, we're talking about our our our. First of all, we we love all anyone that listens to the show is a supporter, so we love you all. Um, and then through Patreon, which is. P-A-T-R-E-O-N Patreon.com backslash 11 o'clock comics the number is 1-1 so 11 o'clock comics you can get to our Patreon page and there um, the show, the one you're listening to now will always be free and available to all of you wonderful people but if you want extras uh, or you want to unlock other goodies for for everyone uh, Patreon is the way to go about it and uh, we have been 
extremely fortunate and uh, hum- have been humbled. We've been humbled yes. that uh, for a little less than four months now we've been doing this and we've got over 160 people who have chosen to hand over a little bit of their very hard-earned money uh, in support of the show to allow us to do extra things and uh, have some extra fun and hopefully give back a little bit extra. And before we know it, boys, another two months we will be in the window where we will start sending out tons of the care packages because uh, if you pledge $10 or more per month, uh, among many other things, you are entitled to every six months uh, receive a care package from us. And uh, I know I'm personally excited at the prospect of finally sending some of these along and, and hearing people uh, talk about what we what we sent them and uh, what they thought was cool and what they thought was shitty and uh, so forth and so on. So it should be pretty dope. But we are about $140 short of our next goal, which would be going from our current run rate of five or more episodes a month to a new run rate of six or more episodes a month. And at this point, I'm surprised Vince hasn't just plopped down 150 bucks uh, from his own credit card. <laughs> you know, I'm, he's, I'm he's clamoring to, I may do he's it. He's clamoring for it. So, but thank you all so much in all, with all sincerity and, uh, if you want to know more, you can go to Patreon and read about uh, all the things that uh, that that you can avail yourself and the rest of the listenership too. If you are gracious enough to consider supporting us, yes, we'd love it. And pick a good one next month. Oh my god! Huh. Wow, I'm not saying this one wasn't good. Saying, you just pretty much just said that. No, I no, it's pretty much what you said. <laughs> he did. So it's That's okay, not what though. I said. I said pick a good one next month. Not you better because this one wasn't. It's all in the intonation, though. I think it was. I'm saying maybe maybe a good one next. We're month. almost. It, it's it's almost like you know we first month, second month was great, and this month and maybe next month will be great. So you know we'll just it's I'm, all I'm the intonation. Riding, What's I'm happening? riding the waves, man. What's going you know, on? Even you give him one. You should give him one bullet to vote for next month, and the choice being Larry Martyr's Bean World. <laughs> Shit, I'm on it. Will we get it? I haven't read it yet. I got it in my hands. I'm holding it. Well, yeah. maybe it'll be in this month's box then because I haven't it, gotten it, it yet. It is. The box. Yep. In the box. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Do you remember who we had on to talk about the, la- the Bean World originally? Mario. No. No. Was it Zach? Nope. Mm-mm. What am I missing? It wasn't Larry. Who was it? Um, Tom Scholey? What? No. What did you just say? No. Who was it? Tom from Around Comics. Tom Caters. Oh, Cater. okay. Oh, all right. Because you say Tom, I, I immediately think Scholey. Or King, or... I don't remember... Yeah, or don't remember um, Tom Caters being... The Bean World dude. Yeah, huge fan of it. Well, I... It may have been the last time he was on the show because he he, he bounced from AC and comics in general pretty pretty shortly after that. Yeah, he burned him out, Vince. Oh, yeah, it was me. I always give <laughs> the blame. In all seriousness, though, um, while we're thinking about it, a huge shout-out to our former co-host and buddy Chris because he and his lovely wife Marta just officially bought a house in yes. uh, a suburb of Milwaukee where they just moved, which for those of you who know Chris, it is stunning stuff to think that he is no longer living in Chicago because 
the man had incredible pride for the AK, uh, otherwise known as the Third Coast. So, yep, they are happy homeowners. I saw cute, that picture. Cute little house. Yeah, it's real it cute. Is. Looks nice. God bless him. Wonder what houses go for out there? Like twelve bucks? Oh my <laughs> god! Get through for twelve. <laughs> no, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. How? I mean, wouldn't you like to live out there where stuffs like? Well, I'd like to live out there while earning what I earn out here. I'm sure. Sure. Fair point. Fair point. Speak on it. Yep. This is this is what we call vamping because the rest of y'all didn't read anything else, isn't that right? Vince didn't. I didn't. Oh, you nice. Did. I had some. I had some things on my Slack. Oh, that's good. Like a lot of stuff is just. Why don't you? Why don't you break off something you love? Because I know you really hated. Uh, Ronan, oh, so with ahead. a passion! Holy shit! I just it's, <laughs> yeah, I gotta go rub my eyes out now. Um, rub them out? Whoa! Well, that after. Well, <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Uh, of course. Um, I read Deadly Class number thirty. Well, twenty nine and thirty. Oh, you read thirty? I didn't read thirty yet. Oh, it's on the DB, bro. For- once I, I now you know how I feel whenever I want to talk about Deadly it's Class. That's true. Twenty nine uh, was the dopeness, though, right? Twenty nine was was the dopeness, but as dope as twenty nine was, you are going to love thirty. Oh, suck it, suck it now. Yeah, um, that was some big doings. I let's see. Yeah, I read. Um, I was going to start All Star Batman thirteen. I did not get to that, and. I was flipping through the um, Dark Side uh, special that came out, which I didn't get very far in that either. So yeah, it's just it's it was it was weird, man. I did not get to um, think it's do a whole lot of reading over the past few days. So um, you're doing that wedding, yeah, man. Um, so I'm the one that's letting people down. Wait, what? Back. I up. got stuff. I got stuff. Yeah. What do you got? Did you all? Before I get into what I read, did you all happen to watch Death Note on Netflix? No. No, not yet. All right. M- Mia watched it. What'd she think? She said it was terrible. Wow. Yeah. And she read the manga? Yep. Yeah. It's not great, Shakes, but it's totally fine for what it is, I think, which is a two-hour fluff movie. Aww. Oh, it's not a series? It's a movie? No, it's just a movie. Okay. Which is part of the criticism, which is, you know, how do you encapsulate it? Like, yeah, I thought like, they were making a show. All right. No, no, it's a straight movie. And it definitely is just a movie because it takes you through the entire... Wow. The entire, uh, the entire arc of our young antagonist. No, the weird thing is Peter Weller plays Ryuk. <laughs> okay. And it's... It, it's just weird here with his voice. He's got such a distinctive voice. And to be fair, the Ryuk in the sh- in the movie looks exactly like Ryuk from the manga. But it, it looks hella corny in the movie because it's... We're not talking giant budget here, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... But uh, Colin loved it. He hasn't read the manga. So, yeah, I, thought, I mean, I thought it was fine. I, I It's, it's not... It, it pales in comparison to the manga. I mean, not surprisingly, but um, but then what? What? Uh, what doesn't these days? Right? What? 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 Uh, what filmed version of something doesn't pale in comparison to the written work? Um, 
mm-hmm. take offense to this Dark Tower bullshit. When, are oh, you, what are do you mean? You, offense in what way? I, I take offense in the fact that they made one friggin' movie out of all those books and they're done now. Well, it's actually yeah. um, it's it's actually a uh, postscript to the books. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's like a postscript. So they're they're this, giving. This takes place after the big war. You've read the books? I have. I have. Yes. Okay. I, I love the books. Yeah. I thought you did. Yeah. yeah. I think it's ridiculous. They have so much mileage in the books. If they just, you know. Yeah, I'm the, really the, surprised, especially given that they have the the big time actors that they have in it. I would have thought these days that the the, the plan of action is to have options so that if the first movie is a hit, you have these actors locked up for another two or three films, right? Sure. Yeah. But that's not the case. So weird. I'm with you. On the other hand, I think we're going to get some Stephen King redemption when it hits the theater soon. Yeah. Because that looks good. I still need to see that trailer. Oh, the new long one is crazy. It doesn't, uh, you don't think it gives too much away? Because I'll watch it. I just, I... Uh, well, it's hard for me. I mean, to I say read that. the book. Yeah, I was going mean, to say if you read the true. book, I mean, yeah, I don't, okay. what, what, is, what, what can be given away? But I'll just watch it. Um, yeah. So I'll talk about. I, I I read two books from humanoids this week. How about Ooh. that? Two humanoid books. Look at you. Yes. Yes. The first is a collection of prior released work by Jerry Frisson and Guy Davis. Mm-hmm. The Zombies That Eat the World, book one, Bring Me Back My Head. Cool. And Vince, if I'm not mistaken, when I, I believe I shouted this out in our first previews episode, and you had mentioned that it was a collection of works. Yes. Sorry, that wasn't obvious in the original solicit, but it certainly is. You're correct. Um, I love this. It was so much fun. Um, Guy Davis's art is perfect for this. It's it's a, a very simple conceit. It, it's It's essentially... Los Angeles in the near future. Um, zombies exist all over the world, but uh, they're not dangerous. They're just like a indentured class, or like an a, 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 like a minority group essentially. They 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 and we're far enough along in, in this occurring that there are, there are rules in place where they've been officially and legally integrated back into society, much to the annoyance of the human of the living people. Uh, because it's things like if 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 one of your loved ones comes back from the dead, they have a tendency to return to their home, and you have to take them in and take care of them, even if they're annoying or you don't want them around. And they're nasty, you know. They're 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 living in your house, and they got flies and maggots, but you got to treat them right. And so this uh, this was the serialized stories is, is, are just a bunch of short stories um, set in that world uh, with. Um, basically, the, the there's a group of, of zombie cleanup crew, the zombie hunters. Um, there's a, a brother and a sister. The brother's super super weird. He's he's got skinny dude. He wears like a Banana Republic or a Safari outfit with a man in the yellow hat type of, of hat and a in a bandana. He's got bad acne. Very socially awkward. He's got a, a, a kind of hot alternative looking sister who's pretty much the brains of the group. Um, and then they've got a gigantic, 
think he's Belgium, but a gigantic mammoth, strong guy who's dumb as a rock. And they're hired by people who want to clean up zombie situations. Um, but again, this isn't a situation of like, oh no, there's a zombie trying to kill me. This is a uh, you know guy living at home and he's annoyed because his father-in-law's come back and his father-in-law just sits around freaking him out all day. And his wife, he can't have sex with his wife anymore because he was having sex one night and the dad zombie walked in on them. And he can't get that picture out of his head, so he's just dying to get rid of the dad. But you, you can't just kill. You can't. It's a crime to just get rid of them. You have to. It has to be of nat, quote unquote natural causes. Um, and it's it's just a quirky comedy book um, with these characters as the as the uh, as the cohesion point between each story. But um, but there's there's the issue of the the, the the granddad. There's there's a uh, there's an issue where um, this dude Frank Cozy. Uh, uh, is a or this woman Franca Kozik is a a she was an actress in a lot of 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 zombie movies before all this happened um, and so there's a dude that essentially has built a business uh, as a pimp for zombies where people pay to have sex with with zombies and he has hired this crew to to dig up Franca Kozik's grave because there's nothing better than having a um, than the zombie actress queen who now is actually a zombie. Um, but, but it's kind of like a twilight zone in that they usually get what they want, but then it's not what they want. So when the, when the, when the, the, the when the first guy gets the father-in-law out of the picture, um, his wife ends up having a heart attack over the melee. So ironically now he's stuck with a dead wife. Uh, when the pimp gets Franka Kozik dug up and, and he, he, he lays in the harem and she, the the one thing about these zombies is they tend to reenact behaviors that they did while they were alive, and so for most people, most of them they're that they're completely docile. But since Franca Kozik played most of her life acting like a carnivorous zombie, she eats his brain because that's what she did when she was alive. Um, so, but uh, there's one where some hooligan zombie kids decide to reenact Night of the Living Dead. But like they do it in the in the kind of like ding dong ditch would would kids just to, just to fuck with neighbors, so they're like all right let's go fuck with them. So one dude's like hey remember the scene one of them was naked so he just he 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 gets naked and then the his friends like you just want to be naked, and he's like I don't even have a dick anymore why do I care about being naked? And uh, you know they they like raid the home and they're trying to act like they're going to eat their brains, but then they end up pinning the dude and and the one guy's like how far are we going to take this? Are we actually gonna, are we actually going to eat them? Um, yeah, so it's just it's it's just it's interstitial story after interstitial story. There's one very timely where uh, Sean Hannity is is because this is set in the slight future. So Sean, it's a gray haired Sean Hannity, and he's now uh, and this was written I think about five years ago, but he's now an uber important member of the conservative political uh, machine, and he and this consortium of wealthy right wingers are trying to dig up their fearless leader and and reanimate him <laughs> and we never see the guy because he's wearing a, a mask around his head but it's strongly implied that it's or it's, you know it, it it reads now like it's trump now, obviously when it was written it wasn't trump i don't think because it was you know but 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 reading it now you can't help but think that this is trump that they're trying to to resurrect um 
And shenanigans ensue such that they end up having to replace the dude's brain with a baboon brain <laughs> because they accidentally destroy the the the, the human brain. Um, and no one knew. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Nobody very said very apropos. Very apropos of uh, what's actually going on. Um, yeah, and and uh, it's it's just the characters are quirky. It's it's not. It's it's definitely in the same vein as something like say Chew, where the protagonists are very odd, but in a charming way, and they interact with each other in strange ways. But it, it all it all it all comes together and works. Um, it's volume one. I think there's more to come. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. I, I don't. Vince, if I'm not mistaken, you you read some of it when it was coming out originally. Yes, sir. Yeah. So it takes place in 2064, so it's a little further in the future than I had remembered. But uh, yeah, so it's by Humanoids. It's 24.95 hardcover, um, and uh, I, I'm sure I paid like 12.50 through uh, DCB service. Uh, maybe maybe 14 bucks and on a 40 percent off probably. Uh, but but that was dope. And then the other one was quite a departure from that in that it is a uh, a reprint of a European work. Uh, in English, and it is a children's story, and this is the first volume in a trilogy. Uh, it's called Gregory and the Gargoyles, Book One, uh, by D.P. Filippi, Jayatien, and Silvio Camponi, and it's under the Humanoid Kids imprint. Uh, it is also a hardcover with spot varnish, beautifully done, and a ribbon. Whoop, whoop. Um, this is is like looking at cell animation on the page. Uh, it's gorgeous. It's drawn. Um, it, it, it again, it, it's drawn like you're looking at uh, at stills from from a, a cartoon. Um, it's a fairly simple story. Uh, a boy moves to a new neighborhood um, right next to an old church that looks like Notre Dame, and he's not really happy about moving to uprooting himself, um, but he's dealing with it and. He finds a uh, it's an amulet or a coin. It's some kind of handheld thing that when he touches it, it, it vaults him back into time uh, to another reality where uh, and in this reality, there are creatures that are alive and well. The gargoyles across the street are, uh, in essence, traffic cops for all the different creatures that come and go from the town. Um, but while they're doing their business, it's also clear that there are evil powers trying to capture some of these creatures uh, and absorb their magic for more nefarious uses. Um, and he is intertwined in that. Uh, his name is Gregory. Gregory is intertwined in that. And it's clear that Gregory has uh, is a natural magic user. Um, he doesn't realize that until, until this all happens. But it's clear that he has the ability to yield magic uh, much more than the average person. Um, and, uh, he flits about back and forth from his world, the modern world to the older world, uh, interacting with these different creatures and, uh, good and bad magicians trying to figure out, um, his role and, uh, and how he can save the day. Um, and, uh, as I said, it's, it's the first version of three and it's just, it's just breathtaking cartooning. Um, uh, and it's, uh, since it's humanoid kids, it's no surprise that it's, it's written, uh, and perfectly appropriate for all ages. So I know a lot of you got the, the kids out there like me, and this is something that I think your your younger children would absolutely enjoy too. I think this is more appropriate in its tone for slightly younger kids. I, I wouldn't think like a teenage boy would particularly like this, but but preteen, 
people that are still hard into the the Disney Pixar movie scene, uh, this would be right up their alley. So, um, very very much recommend this. Even if, even just as a coffee table book on the visuals alone, but uh, but it's a fun it's a fun little story. Um, very clever and well paced, and uh, and Gregory's a likable kid. He's a mischievous, smart kid. So uh, I'm sure many of us can relate to uh, to that because we probably were the same when we were young. So I'm that way now. Eh. You're mischievous. Okay, I... Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go, humanoids. Humanoids! Coolness. Uh, As usual, the DCBService.com have graciously supported us for this episode. Uh, Go there, DCBService.com. They don't mind late orders, order editions. You get your books all shipped up nice and secure and sound and delivered right to your damn door. Ding dong, my books is here. Nothing could be easier. DCB service. Okay, okay. In your travels, I have a plan. Uh, last week, I uh, stopped off at the the local comic shop, which would be Comics on the Green, down in in Scranton, and uh, I bought something that was inexpensive. Mm-hmm. That has led me to spend much, much, much more in in its wake. I I picked up the Innovation Spectacular starring the Hero Alliance. Now this mm-hmm. is the this is the first issue. Um Innovation was getting kind of desperate. So what they did was they reprinted three of their um three issues from their popular series or what they would hope would be popular series for a lousy $2. And what was this? Two dollars and ninety-five cents. Yes, mm-hmm. but they did a second spectacular, where they mm-hmm. not reprinted. They just took the covers off three of their issues, packaged them under one cover for two dollars and ninety-five cents. Now, if you are a back issue fanatic, the Innovation Spectacular, I believe it's number two, the contents are not always the same. Did you know that, Dap? Say that again? They took remaining copies of their books that were printed, took the covers off them, put the books together, bound them under one cover, and sold it for $2.95. I did not know that. Yeah. And the, the, the guts shifted. You would maybe get, you know... In one issue, you'd get um, Star Grazers. Or in another one, you got another issue in its place. It's crazy. But it's maddening because if you're trying to do back-issue shopping, it may not be the same. But anyway, so this Innovation Spectacular number 1, starring the Hero Alliance, has led me to go back and buy physical copies of all the Innovation books that I missed. And I'm going to read. I'm going to read Hero Alliance, the entire series, seventeen issues, for next episode. Sweet. Damn. And if you got them, I would like. I would appreciate. I would implore you to read them along with me. Either you 
Jim Oak's gonna gonna read them with me. Uh, I might read a couple few. Okay. I won't be. No, that's a, that's a, uh, not unexpected. But um, uh, in this issue, there is art by Tom Yates, um, a very young Ron Lim, and someone who I would love to know uh, what happened to over the years, a Mr. Matt Thompson. He does the Star Grazers episode, and he is a phenomenal illustrator. If you uh, have a, a penchant for good girl, good girl art, and I do, his females are beautiful. Let's just put it at that. He draws very, very uh, pleasing ladies. So if anybody knows what happened to uh, Matt Thompson, fill me in. Hero Alliance for next week. Wow. With that, with that early, early Ron Lim. Yes, very early Ron Lim March. Oh, Our, when, when when women's crotches were like maybe an inch and a half wide, <laughs> maybe. And traps for days on some of these guys. Yes, Jesus. Long legs. <sighs> yes, legs for days. Um, in your travels. Um, all the uh. I just want to wish that uh, everybody in Texas and Louisiana are safe and doing as best as they can. We've heard from a few listeners that uh, seem to uh, have made it to higher ground or just escaped unscathed. Um, So it was nice to see on the Facebook group uh, a few people chiming in and... uh, Letting us know what's going on in their, their neck of the woods. Um, I think um, wow, what do I have? I have um, Southern Bastards number 17. The, the book has returned. Uh, it is Gut Check Part 3. Uh the last page completely uh, took me by surprise, although maybe it really shouldn't have. But it's it's been uh, a long time coming, so it's because of everything else that that the Jasons are telling in this tale. Uh, I wasn't I was focused on other characters and and uh, wasn't expecting to see someone else show up and uh was quite pleased when they did but it is a uh it's it's the coach boss is uh still trying to get the stink off him from uh from his loss and uh almost looks like he's trying to not quite make amends or or see if uh he can kind of be shown the light as far as uh, the wrong things he's been doing. But there are uh, there are some pretty heavy moments. Um, almost kind of like they're, they're maybe trying to make you think that 
or, or make you feel. Uh, <laughs> can't give you the impression that maybe Coach Boss isn't that bad of a guy, and you kind of maybe don't want anything bad to happen to him. But fuck that. The uh, the story is is still hard hitting. It's it's uh, it's rough in spots as in a good way. But the uh, there's a, a great little um, a touching note from Jason Latour because uh, this is the the first issue after um, after his Death father is. died. So yeah. uh, it was um, yeah. It, it's it, the back matter is is uh, is touching and and uh, almost as heavy as if not well actually no as as heavy as the. Uh, as the main story, um, well, I'm, I'm, uh, it's always nice when you get some some southern bastards. Um, just a little bit bittersweet this time around. But uh, if if you um, if you may have missed it because it's been a few months since you've seen an issue, it's back and uh, and and grab it. Yes, yeah, sir, it's back. Well said on all fronts. Um, Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, in your travels, we talked a bit about that generation's joint with the Hulks, um, which was I, but uh, the Mighty Thor, Unworthy Thor, Generations of Thunder, number one, was a hell of a lot of fun. Nice. Can't Jason, wait. Jason Aaron, Mahmoud, Asrar, Arbois, and Jordi Belair. Uh, so, winner, winner, chicken dinner, you get Jason Aaron and Mahmoud doing a book together. It's It's going to be hard for me not to dig it. Um, but, uh, this was what these things, again, as we talked about with the, the Hulk, I'm not quite sure what these things are supposed to be other than I know that they're one shots featuring the current incarnation of characters and their classic incarnation. Um, I'm still not sure after reading this, what the underlying narrative or connection is between them all. But as a one shot where, Jane Foster Thor meets up with old version of Thor. Um, it was a ton of fun uh, in this in this story. Um, this is young Thor, Thor who's not yet even figured out that he's worthy to hold Mjolnir. He can barely budget, and he's the dutiful, uh, although somewhat uh, rebellious, prince of Asgard. And it's kind of funny. They're having a big to-do the next day, and Odin says to him, hey, make sure you dress formally for the occasion. And so it turns out that his Thor costume that we first come to know him in Journey into Mystery and for so many years in Avengers is, in fact, supposed to be his his formal wear. And, the, and he hates it. And he's like, oh, <laughs> I hate this formal wear. <laughs> um, but uh, he, he vamooses from the party because he hears a call for help from his most devoted worshippers who are a bunch of Vikings. So he heads to Midgard to help out the Vikings. And uh, the Vikings are in in the middle of a battle in what would uh, later be known as Egypt. And Thor has to battle Apocalypse. Which is freaking awesome. Wow. Love Apocalypse. And suddenly out of nowhere, Jane Foster Thor pops in. And she's helping in the battle. And he's like, who the hell are you? What's up with you, bitch? And he's like, what are you doing with my, what are you doing with my hammer? What do you know about Mjolnir? She's like, what do you know about Mjolnir? But uh, no, but it was really great. Aaron, Aaron obviously knows both of these characters super well, uh, having essentially helmed them both for a long time now. 
their interactions together are, are fantastic. Just the right mix of humor and, and action. Um, it's always fun seeing a classic villain going up against heroes that they aren't normally associated with. Um, and it's it's one and done. You know, it's they 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 do the battle. They they either win or they lose. I'll leave that for you to find out. And uh, and then they're back about their business. So I thought it was great. Mahmoud looked fantastic in this book. Not surprisingly. Excellent. And uh, yeah, I gotta say it's a, it's it's yet another in a long line of Mahmoud books where I I see the pages and I think, oh, I'm gonna have to buy one of those someday. So good stuff. Oh, and actually. There is a hint in the book that Odin used to knock boots with Phoenix, not like Jean Grey, right? But the Phoenix entity. Force, but the entity. Now talk about being a player, banging out cosmic forces. Not a player, just crush a lot, right? Damn, Vince, he's banging Phoenix. That does absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, All right, let me, let me switch it back up. Vince, Granny Goodness is banging the specter. <laughs> now you're talking. You're like, what? I got to get up on that. Boston Brand's in the closet, <laughs> whacking it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time. We hope you will join us next week. Um, in the meantime, be good to uh, your loved ones, especially David. And... Um, come back yes. because he's going to get all bent out of shape oh, yes. and oh, wet and nasty 100%. and say goodnight oh, ooh David what was Good that night. snarky thing ooh David mm. oh, hey man you're the one who got all giddy know. when you heard the can was that a can? Mm-hmm. Wow. It's like a kettle drum. Rastaman. Hey, come back here. <laughs> we love you so much. And we'll be here waiting for you as usual. Good night. Well, Say bye. Next book. Oh, and shout out to Kendrick Lamar. Hell of a show, dog. Uh-huh.